Oh, my War Thunder finished downloading. Oh, it did. It did. Yeah. Sweet. Sounds like a Canadian problem. <laughs> well, we're all here. Happy Canada Day, everyone. Happy Canada, uh, happy Day. Canada Day. Happy, happy birthday. Canada happy birthday, birthday as well, Dennis. Yes, oh, yeah. I'm as old as Canada. Did you get anything good? Um, I got some books on tanks, which is very nice. I got uh, a little sushi here. It's a dog toy, but it's a little uh, squishy sushi. Um, I've decided. I've decided to name him Mister Tamiya. <laughs> As you do. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got it already. So, ah, welcome to the Micro Machines podcast. And today we are going to be talking about the Avro Arrow. Very fitting for the day, eh? I think hey. that's why we chose it. We got, let's see, uh, we got two Canadians on here. I guarantee both Jack and I will be crying uncontrollably at the end of this episode. Oh, um, I'm expecting full sobbing, you know. Oh, yeah. I'm already kind of like half-baked after working on these slides. Like, I'm already starting to tear up. I need a full tissue box. I need, like, receipts showing y'all got extra. Mike's muted. Mascara running down the face. I need to see it. I'm already, like, cuddling Mr. Tamiya right now for emotional support. (laughs) If you hear the, uh, if you hear a, that's me, like, tapping out. (laughs) Right then. Well, shall we do some introductions? Send it. Of course. Alrighty. Well, I am Dennis. I am currently recording from Ontario. I am being bombarded by fireworks. And it's also his birthday. Oh. Yes. Happy birthday. I am... Jack, I am also in Ontario. Fireworks are done. I don't know why there's still fireworks over there. Uh, and I'm exhausted, so that's that. Well, I'm Kelly. I am Ezra. Right. Oh, God damn it. Guys. God, <laughs> we've, been doing, we've been on such a good streak, we're not doing that. <laughs> Go ahead, Callum. Fine, then I'll do it. So, I'm Callum down in New Zealand, and I'm in a celebratory mood today, so this is going to be a good podcast. Congrats on the hockey game, Callum. Yeah, definitely. We only had to play until the halfway through the season to win a game. (laughs) (laughs) We just won't mention that. Also, the fact that we scored twice as many goals in one game as we've scored in the entire season up to that game, so yeah. Y'all went off tonight? Oh yeah, we did. Okay, Ezra, you um, can go. I am Ezra recording from Moist, New Mexico. <laughs> Moist. <laughs> Moist. <laughs> oh, great heavens. And uh, I'm Greg recording from nice, cool Southern California drinking my coffee. Hold on. Oh, yeah, what's everyone drinking tonight? Yeah, assholes. Water. Uh, it's being nice. I've got the beer. Water. Go, Callum. I might be able to drink now, but that doesn't mean I will. Wait, is 19 the legal drinking age in Canada? Yeah. yeah Fuck you guys. Expensive. That's just way too expensive of a hobby. I can't just <laughs> kill and alcoholism at the same time. <laughs> that it? Uh, see, Dennis, the trick is you've got to go cheap on either one of them. You either go cheap on the drinks or cheap on the models, and I know what you're going to go with. Oh, yeah. No, the <coughs> trick is isopropyl alcohol. I was about to say, why don't you just take isopropyl alcohol and then cut it? Yeah. You're, gonna make no, you're, you're the safety officer here. 
Now, see, all he's going to do is he's going to uh, cut it into his herbal tea. Here's <laughs> <laughs> Tim's. Well then, so what you see here before you is the most beautiful aircraft ever made. And what is it? Can confirm. Jack, what are we looking at here? This is the Avro Arrow. Look at it. It's perfect. And what is the Avro Arrow? Well, <laughs> I'm glad you asked that, Calvin. Good, because I honestly don't know. You guys have been circle jerking about it a lot, and That's I have no idea what it is. Offensive, Callum. Yeah, uh, Callum, this is our national culture. <laughs> Callum, they're turning into Americans. What do we do? <laughs> oh yeah, we're gonna be way more like you've you've seen American patriotism. Get ready for Canadian patriotism. Oh god! Instead um, of an eagle screen in the back, it's gonna be a goose honk. Yes. <laughs> oh, dude, don't, don't, don't mess with the geese. They will actually eat you. Oh, oh geese I are know, fucking terrifying. Of it, uh, when I was in Canada, I encountered a few of them, and fuck them. Yeah, no, we have an unnamed don't. person in the Discord server who says he can take on multiple. No. Lies. 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 Not true. Lies. Lies. He's never actually encountered I, one. I want to see that video. I want to see the video. Oh, you'll see have it. you yeah. seen... Oh, there's a video of an emo kid versus a goose. Oh my god. Oh. Every single time. Yeah, I'm. I want to. I mean, because the emo kid is too busy slitting his wrists. So. <laughs> <God>. oh, <laughs> not even six minutes in, and we already got flagged for offensive Bro, content. I was thinking of making an emo joke, but I was like, ah, it's a little early for that. But no, <laughs> fucking Ezra's yeah. out here, fucking sending that shit. Ezra, after like drinking an entire bottle of paint thinner, is just like, ah, I'm gonna raw dog this episode. <laughs> I can say well, anything. I would say okay. we'll get cancelled for this one, but we're probably on, already going to get cancelled for the. Uh, the last video I put up on YouTube, the uh, Hill to Die On for last week. Yeah, oh, yeah. I put a spicy. Oh, yeah. That was an actual Hill to Die On. I put a uh, a very good spicy title and description in that one. You did indeed. Oh yeah, well, what's up with our one uh, listener in Moscow? Oh, Shut Jesus, get, oh that was he's loud. getting intelligence. So okay, guys. So let's just start. What's up, Vlad? Oh, right, let's like, just do some revision revisionist history. Confuse the hell out of Vod, or one listener from Moscow. Shout out to one listener from Moscow. Shout out to one listener from Cape Town, too. Like, homeboys. Oh, yeah, that's there. dedication. Yeah, tuning in. You know, that means we're going to have to do, like, an episode on the Oliphant or something like that, eh? It's going to be, like, in that featuring Chappie. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> someone would get that reference. Okay, cool. So... In order to talk about the greatest aircraft ever made, I oh, think God. it's probably appropriate to first talk about the greatest aerospace company that ever existed. Dennis. Yep. Dennis is We already talked company. about we already talked about the best aircraft ever made. It was Corsair. No. Yes. <laughs> get your patriot ass out of here. Get your crayon eating, flipping unseasoned chicken eating, flipping. Unseasoned? How dare you insult my southern culture like that? <laughs> we put salt on it, okay? Oh, yeah, that's. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, oh sure. Oh, we, got, wow. we, got, we got Master Chef over here. Fucking Gordon Ramsay better watch out. Yes, sir. Alrighty. So. I want to first like preface this little chit chat with a question for you guys. So the year is 1957. What do you think the biggest corporation, like the biggest employer in Canada, is? Probably a cigarette uh, company. Tim Hortons. 
I don't even think Tim Hortons was around until like the seventies. Yeah, yeah was, Callum. Jesus. Yeah, Callum. Yeah, Callum. How do you not know that, bro? <laughs> Fuck. How do you not know the intricacies of Canadian fast food chains? Come on, man. Hey, you can guarantee they had some sort of feasibility studies going on at the time. <laughs> Tim <laughs> Hortons, the hockey question, player. Like Ezra, what do you think? Oh, um, maybe Avro Canada. Exactly. It was oh my God. with well over 50,000 employees. Um, this oh, 50,000, huh? That's it? <laughs> what are you patriotic for? A fucking town? It had a population <laughs> of like 20 million tops. 20 million? That's my state, bro. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, this was the Google, the, uh, Google of its time. But anyway, so Avro Canada was basically an offshoot of the AV Row Company, which was originally a British a, uh, aviation manufacturer. Um, during the Second World War, Avro Canada, British. which was based in Malton, Ontario, which is a suburb of Toronto, um, they produced uh, such aircraft as the Avro Anson and the Avro Lancaster Heavy Bomber. After the Second World War, they began to do um, basically their own thing, apart from the British company. They did a lot of R&D on their own, and they ended up producing some extremely cool aircraft. And in these, you know, in this slide here, I've just got some images um, of Avro. Here in this image here, in the main one, you can see one of their production lines. I believe this was actually for the CF-100, which was a jet fighter they built before the Avro Arrow. Over here, you can see a sort of layout of the Avro plant, which is over here up to the top quarter. The Arenda engine plant. Arenda was basically a subsidiary of Avro that was concerned with making jet engines. And you can see here the Malton Airport. Um, and this is basically, it was pretty cool. They had um, an airport. Now, this was a public airport, but they basically had sole use of it. And they did all their flight tests here. And it is still there, actually. Very nice. Yes. Oh, and Looks Jack, like a company that was still your 401k. Jack, <laughs> what's the deal with Avro Aero Road? What's the significance uh, of that? Well, Avro Aero Road, as I drove past today, um, came home looked it up realized that that is one of their test sites i believe like down there uh it is an orenda jet engine test site um they had test sites all over but this was i think it was one of the biggest i'm not too sure oh yeah they had test sites all over ontario also uh shout out orenda engines world's best jet engine manufacturer granddaddy worked there uh yeah Shut up, Greg, in advance. Yep. All right. Okay. So we've kind of prefaced what Avro is. It's basically an all-in-one aviation company. They do everything from building aircraft to designing them to researching new technologies for aircraft. And then they spin them out and send them off to the Canadian Air Force. So before we talk about, again, the Avro Aero, we need to talk about what um, the Avro Canada company was getting up to prior to designing it. So Avro Canada was not like a company like, for argument's sake, uh, Lockheed Martin, right? Where they just kind of design aircraft after the Air Force has given them a specification. They were very much involved in pushing the boundaries of flight um, on their own and on their own dollar. So the aircraft you see here up in the top right is the Avro Jetliner. Now, the we all know that the first like commercial jet-powered aircraft was the de Havilland Comet. But this one was the first North American uh, jet-powered airliner. How many days do you think it flew after the Comet first flew? 
Seven. Close. Fourteen. Damn. It was very close to being the first uh, jetliner ever made. Um, and it was really nice. It was, you know, unlike the Comet, it, this thing did not break apart in midair. Um, not many were made, but those which were made had a very long and successful career. Do you know why the uh, Comet broke apart in midair, by the way? Because it was British. Because it was called a Comet? Uh, I believe it was because the first ones... Um, there's a reason or preference why all airliner windows are circular or rounded. Oh, God. And- and that was because the Comet had um, square windows, but it got up to pressures that it got up to altitudes where the pressure differential um, in the corners of the window starting started to crack. Where the because that was where a failure point was was in these uh, the corners of the windows. So after that, and it broke apart, they found that. So they made a specification so all windows had to be rounded in a sort of oval. Um, because these, yeah, the corners of the windows were um, stress points. May I point out in relation to that then, Callum, that the Avro jetliner, and this was not something, this was from scratch, the windows were all circular, unlike the inferior British jetliner, because Canada number one. You hear that, Christian? You hear that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Christian's Australian, though. Uh, you know, no, he's from England. GCSC, you look nice. I mean, I will point out those uh, the cockpit windows look pretty square to me. Ah, don't worry about that. That's cockpit windows. There's only like what four of them in relation to the aircraft. Come on, <laughs> don't don't be such a coward. But yeah, they're, they're totally not important. <laughs> no, no. On the yeah, left one, is that a uh, of, that's a interesting... CF one hundred. I was going to get there. We were going to talk about ah. the uh, twelve fifty cals, but. Yeah, I guess one thing just in relation to the jetliner, this was not created in relation to any sort of government contract. This was something that Avril funded entirely on their own dime just so that they could make it. So like, that will kind of give you the idea of what this company is. They are very much research-oriented. Now, jumping swiftly along to 1949, this is, as Ezra pointed out, the CF-100, the CF-100 Conduct. Um, they built this as an all-weather, night and day interceptor for the Royal Canadian Air Force, as well as the Belgian Air Force. Um, yeah. It's, it's pretty ugly, so but cool. it did the job incredibly well. It is not ugly. Well, that's special. what people say. Yeah. What was the uh, CF-100's primary role? Um, killing Soviets. <laughs> <laughs> and how many did they kill? Well, I mean, none. But if, if, Okay, if, exactly. If, you know, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yep, yep. But yeah, was it like a ground attack? Was it multi role? What was it? So it was a. It was actually technically a fighter. So the whole idea of the CF one hundred was that it had um, a very powerful radar in the nose, and it had these jet engines produced by Arenda. They weren't the fastest. This thing was not supersonic, but it did have incredibly good reliability. It was also incredibly rugged, which is very important for Canada, where we have aircraft flying off of remote Arctic airstrips, which were quite literally just packed down snow. So these things could fly at any temperature. They could fly at any time, day or night, um, and they could fly in any weather. They could fly equally as well in a perfect summer day as they could in a nasty Arctic blizzard. They were two-man aircraft, which meant that they had both a navigator slash radar officer and a pilot. Um, yeah, and they had very long range, which was really important for the Canadian Air Force to defend the Arctic Circle. I will say it does look really nice. Like I, I would build a model kit of that. Oh, yeah. 
An interesting aside with CF100 is um, the early models and the late models actually had these ballistic computers attached to the radar. And on you see on the wingtips here, right? These are fuel tanks. But if they were going to intercept Soviet bombers, they would actually carry these uh, rocket pods, right? And the rocket pods would have something ridiculous like 50 rockets in each side. Jesus. And so what they would happen is the CF-100 would fly up to the Soviet bomber formation. They would engage the uh, kind of ballistic computer attached to the radar. And when the aircraft was oriented just right, it would automatically fire off all 100 of its rockets at the, the oh, uh, bomber Jesus formation. Jesus Christ. Wait, just, yeah. <clears throat> Wait, Dennis, are you say, are you telling me this is it's a natter. It's a natter, the Canadian yeah. version of the natter? It is quite literally a natter. Like, there's no difference between the two. They're the exact same aircraft. Big wow. bigger and only only had two engines as opposed to, like, five. And it actually worked. Don't worry about it. Don't worry. And it landed. The main thing is that it actually worked. Pieces. Yeah. And they didn't also, have an enemy said, force roll through their airfield. What did yeah. you say about multiple 50 cals? Eight 50 cals <laughs> in a belly pack. My American cock wow. is getting so hard right now. <laughs> <laughs> you just heard 50 cal and that was enough. Eight of them is just too much. <laughs> There's never such thing as too much. I was like, oh god, yes. Oh, 50s. Now, the CF-100 was actually pretty cool because, I mean, it looks a bit like the uh, English, what was it, the... Meteor, the world's not the world's uh, Gloucester, Gloucester Meteor, Gloucester Meteor. Thank you so much. Now, it kind of looks a bit like it, where the way the engines are laid out and all that. But you know, despite the way it looks, this was actually one of the most advanced fighter aircraft in the world and the time it was built. Um, having both the powerful radar, the rocket ballistics computer, the amazing range, and the ability to fly so well in bad conditions. Um, the CF 100 was really what made Avro Canada. The company it was at the time that the arrow was built. The Canadian Air Force bought over 400 of these. The Belgians bought, um, I think it was close to 100 of them. And yeah, th this served from the 1940s all the way to the 1980s with the Canadian Holy Air Force. shit. Yeah. Wow. That's not bad. I have a question for you then. If it was so good, then why did only two countries use it? Um, The, the Americans looked at it. And the Americans produced an aircraft. I forget the exact name of it, but I think it was the Scorpion. No, not the Scorpion. The oh, as you're gonna have to help me figure this one out. But uh, was, it, was it similar F96? to that? It was very similar to this. It looked very similar. Oh, it's because um, America's arrogant. And we don't like buying other people's ship. Uh, yeah, I, I know it. I know it. It's we all um, know the aircraft. The, the, the F89. Listening. Thank you. The That's F89. The, yes. so, the F89. Um, the, the Americans actually were looked at the CF-100, you know, because the idea of this was that even though it was just a fighter, it would be amazing at killing Soviet bombers. And that, you know, in the 1940s and 50s, the main worry was not ICBMs, it was bombers, right? So they looked at this, they considered it, they didn't want to buy it because it wasn't obviously made by an American manufacturer and the American... They have this thing about only buying American, right? They couldn't, they just couldn't bring themselves to have a Canadian... Yeah, literally, these things could just get shipped like an hour south from Toronto, but no. Um, but yeah, so they actually took a lot of the same design concepts and put that into the... What was the designation? 86? F 89. 89. 89. 89. Sorry, F-89, yeah. So the F-89 basically took a lot of the same ideas as the CF-100 and then just worked them into there. Um, still couldn't make an aircraft better than this, though. I was about to ask, like, genuinely, like, 
patriotism aside, which one was better? Uh, CF100. Only because of the re- reliability and rugged uh, ruggedness of it. Like, I you see that. the environment, this thing's flying in, right? That is what the majority of Canada um, Bro, is like. Homeboy's giving Santa an escort true. in that picture. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, Dennis, oh, yeah. Yep. question. Uh, was the CF100 ever engaged in any sort of um, aerial war? Like Never any conflict? Actual combat. It was, again, like most Canadian aircraft in the Cold War, it was on constant alert. It intercepted a crap load of Soviet bombers. Never actually fired a shot in anger, though. Thankfully. Bro, you know those fucking pilots had to be itching on that trigger. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> such a Canadian thing. They intercepted and didn't fire. They probably apologized. Oh, yeah. <laughs> probably did like a, it's like a Top Gun-esque thing where you just see like your Soviet bomber and you see one of these coming inverted over you. <laughs> and he's, just holding, he's holding up a sign that just says, sorry, turn back now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know these are these are the aircraft that kind of gave Avro its major start in the Cold War. The CF one hundred was kind of like you know how the uh, how was it Lockheed Martin? The F thirty five is kind of the one project that's keeping that company like in the position it is now, where it's like so big and so well funded. It was the same sort of deal with the CF one hundred. The Canadian Air Force bought so many of these that Avro basically had to expand so much just to produce them. That became the biggest manufacturer in the country. Hmm. Um, well, it was um, great Desp, what what kind of Russian bombers would it be intercepting? Like the oh, well, TU ninety five? No, the TU ninety. Isn't that the TU ninety five? That's the knockoff no, B twenty nine, isn't it? It would have. No, no, no. This is the one oh. with the. Uh, That's the the like eight props. Yeah, it's got the multiple propellers. It would have intercepted TU ninety fives. Yeah. Yeah, it would have it would have this been one. those. Because I know so, there's yeah. pictures of like even typhoons intercepting oh, yeah. these. The bear has been in service forever. Yeah. But yeah, so the you know the CF one hundred amazing aircraft and it did the job very well. But one problem with it is that it wasn't very fast. So this thing in a powered dive go right up to Mach 0.97, but then it couldn't actually go past the you know, sound barrier. And you can see, like, it clearly isn't a supersonic aircraft. It's a straight wing. It gives big mosquito vibes. Um, yeah. It's not really able to keep up with, say, if the Soviets ever developed a supersonic bomber, it would be useless against those, right? So even before the specification for the Avro Aero was produced, Avro Canada was already starting to look at the idea of, okay, what if we make a supersonic interceptor? And these are some blueprints that they drew, drew up. Uh, I think this was in the mid or earlier mid fifties here. And you can see in relation to the Avro arrow we saw in the first slide, like you can start to see some, you know, major similarities. You've got the Delta wing, you've got a large tail, you know, twin engine. It, it, so like they're already like starting to percolate around these ideas before the government contract even comes out. So enter the Avro arrow. And I guess now we should probably just kind of like do a brief discussion on the the stats side of it. So after the Canadian Air Force issued a new specification in the 1950s for a supersonic interceptor that could destroy the new Soviet jet bombers, um, this is what Avro Canada came up with. It had a crew of two. It was 23.7 meters long, 15 meters in wingspan, and uh, 6.45 meters in height. It is, I believe, still... 
either the biggest or one of the biggest fighter aircraft ever made. It is true. Like it is know, really long. Like pictures do not yeah. do justice. I've actually been to see the uh, real life, like one to one scale model of it. Um, it's it's stupid. It's just so large. It's not even reasonable. It's a pointy boy as well. I'll put it this way: it has the same uh, bomb payload as the B twenty nine bomber. What? Fuck. Damn! You're kidding. Nope. Oh my god. <laughs> It is one. Of, I think I, I want to say it is the biggest fighter aircraft ever built. Might be a bit. At that point, that's not a fighter. That's a bomber. It is. It has like the, the modern Corsair. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, this. I think it needed a five thousand foot long runway to take off. Jesus. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So the one that we're picturing here is um, the one of the prototypes. They made uh, five actual prototype Avro arrows, and this was made by Avro Canada on their own dollar. Um, it had a takeoff weight of thirty-one metric tons. Jesus, that's oh, about the same as like a fully upgraded T ninety, maybe a little bit less. But yeah, it's about a T ninety taken off. Um, and it had a power plant of two Pratt and Whitney J seventy-five turbojets on the initial prototypes. Now, a brief aside here, the Pratt & Whitney J-75s were one of the most powerful jet engines ever made at that point in time. Most of the airspeed and air altitude records made in the 20th century were on these turbojets, and most of them were made by aircraft with only one of them. This thing, which was the prototype, had two. Just to kind of give you a little perspective there. Um, so on the prototypes, the calculated maximum allowable speed was Mach 1.98. It had a cruising speed of about Mach 0.91 at 11 kilometers altitude, a combat range of 670 kilometers, and a ceiling of 16 kilometers altitude. Um, and the armament would have been two Hughes—sorry, uh, not Hughes—two uh, air two A genies, which were basically unguided nuclear rockets or four Canadair Velvet Glove guided missiles, and we'll talk a bit more about those later. But yeah, the whole point of this slide is basically to say, like, Avro Canada was given a fairly generic um, requirement, which was simply to just intercept Soviet jet bombers, and they came up with this monstrosity. A monstrosity it is, but in a good way, dude. That is, holy hell. Payload of a B-29. No. Fucking Christ. <laughs> and how it stored it in um, an right internal bomber? Yep, it didn't have external hard points. You see kind of this... Uh, oh, so it's an F-35. Yes, exactly. Oh, dude, there's so many similarities between this and the F-35. I'll talk about that later. But yeah, if you guys can like see here, that's the uh, bomb bay. Um, and just like on, say, like a Lancaster bomber, this would open up to reveal the missiles. So basically, that would have done the same as, say, the new generation fighters of uh, Top Gun Maverick. You know, you yes, see them exactly. and they, like, it quickly opens up and it drops a rocket, a missile that flies off. Yep. The, it, like, a lot of the technology that, that we see in modern-day fighters, you can trace back to aircraft like the Avro and the other, you know, try, I'm trying to think of any others. Now, this was the only one. This was often described to be, even just the prototypes, were 20 years ahead of their time. And That's yet they're awesome. not around. We'll get into that, yeah. 
Um, I know you're getting into it because the tears are going to start rolling. Oh yeah, I'm already getting a little bit like cracked up just looking at how per how powerful this was. Um, Actually, when it gets to that, remind me, and I'm going to put a violin playing in the background. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, there was one thing I wanted to mention. So the Avro Arrow was really significant for one main design reason, and that was because like. The majority of the technology used in this, whether it was um, basically for the metals used in the arrow, and like to actually construct it, or the uh, the flight computer systems, or even the actual design, the delta wing design, these were all groundbreaking technological innovations that did not begin, that did not exist at the beginning of the program. So things like the delta wing, they had been theorized, right? And we even saw some German fighters try and use them. But the Arrow was one of the first aircraft to implement it on such a massive scale. Um, it was one of the first aircraft to use a whole host of different metal alloys, which did not exist at the beginning of the Arrow program. And its computer um, was probably the most advanced piece of computer technology in the world at the time that was not operated by a space agency. Well... Um, this thing was quite literally the F-35 of its day, just in terms of the sheer amount of technological innovations. And yet, no one really knows about it. That is, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that as well. <laughs> so, uh, I wish we had... Uh, I don't have a nickname on here, because that'd be great. He could talk about his, his trip to the Ottawa Air and Space Museum. Yes. I'm so confused. Ezra, you remember this uh, airplane? What? Uh, what's that like thing? around the page? <gasps> oh, yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> so, I thought it's also important we talk about technical innovations to talk about this. So, as I mentioned before, Arenda Engines was kind of like the subsidiary company of Avro that dealt exclusively with jet engines. And we also mentioned that the prototypes used the Pratt & Whitney JC-5 which were ridiculously powerful on their own. But the plan was that they would not actually use, you know, the service arrows would not use these. They would use something instead called the Orenda PS-13, Baronos, the Orenda Iroquois. So this was an engine built complete, no, designed and built completely in, from scratch in Canada. And it was going to be the most powerful turbojet ever built at the time of its existence. So the whole idea of this was it was built exclusively to power the arrow. Um, you know, we talked about how huge and heavy the arrow was. Well, it needed an equally massive engine to power it. So the PS13 can be seen here on. Uh, so this is a B47, right? I think so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Oh yeah, of course it's a B. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. yeah. So to give you guys a bit of perspective, so this is B-47, right? This was one of America's primary strategic uh, nuclear bombers, right? Huge aircraft, just ridiculously large. This is the PS. Can I add a bit of trivia to oh, it really quick? Um, so there was a proposal to attach um, <laughs> one of these to a wingtip of a B-36 Peacemaker. Yep. And it was actually what? like they wanted to put in the F-105 Thunder Chief as well. Yep. Yep. The F-105 so, is such huge aircraft. Oh, it's it's ridiculous. Uh, where was it? Oh, yeah. So the PS-13 Jesus. was so powerful, not even after burning, just when it was flying dry, that you see like, okay, so this is the B-47, right? Very strong aircraft. It has to be because it's such a high-speed bomber. This thing 
not even running at full power, cracked the aircraft. Um, the oh B-47, my god! The B forty seven had to be grounded after it was discovered that running the PS thirteen, it just in kind of like test conditions, was actually causing such severe stress to the to the airframe that it was going to have to be grounded if they didn't stop. So would it, would it just destroyed itself? Yes. Jesus. Um, the PS thirteen, um, even till to this day, is definitely one of the stronger. Um, turbofans, it's definitely not in the top, like even 10. But for the you know, we gotta remember this is 1958 that this is being developed. Jet engines have been around since what 1945, so yeah, that's an, an incredibly short period of time. We're already dealing with something so powerful, it's actually tearing apart the aircraft used to test it. Yeah, but the Avro Arrow was in service, going to use two of these, and thankfully, a few of them are still preserved. Unlike the arrow, you know, yes. I will say I would love to make a model of that that aircraft just solely for the, um, you know, you got the, the orange uh, yep. ar- around the middle of the fuselage. Just seeing how that's like withered and like peeling off. That just modeling that would be really fun. Some people have done models of them, and I know that you can actually get like the, this kind of like nacelle. I believe you can get a resin like little bit that you can add on to a normal B forty seven kit for it. Um, Callum, if you're interested, look up Belcher's bits on Google. I think he makes one. Yeah, I think I will. Doesn't Belcher's bits do decals? They do both, so resin and decals. Yeah, I think I have a decal set from them. Dennis. Yes. Quick question: What's your favorite color? Uh, probably chrome. Why? Chrome. Chrome. Yeah. Okay, pick another color. All drop. <laughs> okay, another color. <laughs> Generic. We're talking like kindergarten. Green. Green. Okay. Cool. Thanks. Is it an olive green? Yeah, it depends on what kind of green it is. You fucking kind. Okay, pick another color. <laughs> Jack, you pick. Me? What? Yeah, why? You well, you got to. I'm telling you to. What? what? I was almost sleeping here. You just disrupted. Well, let's go. Watch out, homeboy. No, Jack's still awake. Uh, I mean, you already picked green. Shit. Do you like lime green, Dennis? Hell yeah, I like lime green. Everyone okay. likes lime. I'm drinking limes right. right now. All right, we're good then. Never mind. <laughs> Weirdest aside I've ever had. You'll you'll know why later. Word. Okay. But yeah. <laughs> so that was the PS13, and that was going to be what powered the arrow. We should also probably talk again on the on the subject of technological innovations, right? These so things are cool. Is, yeah, these are really cool. Now this is kind of like a kind of an aside from the mm. program because this was a program of its own. So in the Canadian aerospace industry at the time, you had kind of two big companies. Obviously, number one was Avro, but number two was Canadair. Now Canadair, which was based out of Montreal at the time, they had they also had kind of like a missile division, and this was one of their pet projects. So this is the Velvet Glove. Um, not a huge amount is known about just because like there was never a lot of publicity about it from the get-go. But this was basically their attempt to make a semi-active homing radar-guided uh, air-to-air missile. Sort of like the... I'm trying to think. 
what's a radar guided missile we use today? Ezra, do you Amrams. I was going to say the Am- it's it's basically like their attempt to make an Amram back in the 1950s. So this was uh, a completely homegrown project, just like the Avro Arrow and the CDF 100 Canuck, um, which you can actually see one of the Canucks converted specifically to try uh, firing these over here. But yeah, this was basically the idea. They wanted to make um, a long-range radar-guided missile to destroy Soviet bombers at the horizon. Um, and how long are we talking? How long, what do you mean? How long of a range? How long? Well, to the horizon. These were not beyond visual range, but oh, okay. the Avro Arrow was going to carry like the best radar that was available at the time, and it would have to engage right at the edge of that radar screen. Like this was not a short-range missile by any stretch of the imagination. Huh. Hmm. That's cool. Yeah. So you're talking like miles away where you couldn't even oh. see the people. Um. Again, not beyond visual. Well, not beyond radar range, if that makes any sense. So, like, you know how nowadays you've got uh, missiles that can basically engage like past the horizon and all that. Yes. So these would not be able to do that. They would have so anything that they would engage would have to be in range of the Avro Arrow's radar. But aside from that, like anything was fair game. And this was, again, very groundbreaking technology for the time. Um, at the time that these were developed, we just began to see heat-seeking missiles become a thing. And those are, of course, pretty short range. Um, a radar-guided missile had the advantage that it wasn't like... It was a much longer... It had a much greater capacity for engaging at range. And so this was going to be, if it had been you know, fully developed and put on the arrow it would have given the arrow the ability to kill soviet bombers before they even knew they were being engaged i think another advantage of a radar guided as opposed to heat seeking is uh radar you can probably specify your target to go to whereas heat seeking if you fire it if one of your if say your wingman just happens to put his get goes across that line the heat seeker can pick up his thruster instead and go after your own guy or if you see the, if, or if the heat seeker sees the sun, which yeah. did happen. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine getting pressed over the sun. Yeah, that's why. Um, <laughs> like I think it was uh, in those air-to-air battles using heat seekers, you'd have to call out when you're firing just to let your. It was mainly just to let your wingmen know that you're firing a heat seeker out, just so they could stay away from it while exactly. it was tracking. Well, isn't that where the whole fox system came? Yeah, out? so that they would yeah. call out Fox One for firing a missile. Just to, just to let everyone else know, stay the fuck away from it. Otherwise, you'll get hit. <laughs> yeah, so if you want to learn more about the Red uh, red Velvet... So, oh, God. Why do I call it the Red Velvet? It's because it's red. And, oh, okay. If you want to know more about the Velvet Glove Missile, there's a YouTube channel called Polybius uh, Studios on YouTube. And he does a lot of like videos on Canadian aircraft like this. Uh, fantastic video. Definitely worth a shot. Uh, just watching it. But yeah. That's our little AMRAM for you. It's barely little. That thing is giant. Oh, it was a huge missile. There's a reason this thing had to have a B-29 payload. Like, that that thing took up... Those things took up, like, a third of the size of the uh, CF-100. CF-100 is not a small aircraft, either. Yeah, yeah. So how, how so, many could an arrow actually hold? I think the idea was it would carry four. Jesus. But the, the the thing being, at the time, it was basically like, if you launched uh, Velvet Glove, the hope was, if you launched it, it was going to kill that bomber. It was not going to survive that hit, so one arrow could knock down four bombers, guaranteed, more or less. And then what? That's really cool. 
Uh, and then it would glide back to Earth. The pilot would eject, and it would crash land. <laughs> they didn't crash land. They all had a parachute. Oh, how how kind. Yeah, I know. Well, mind you, the own, one and only flight they ever did with a test flight on it, it killed the pilot. So, you know. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, they only ever did one test flight in the Natter and it killed the test pilot. So, give and take, you know. <laughs> They so, killed Carl. Wait, no, Fritz. <laughs> so this is the part of the podcast where I'm bringing out Mr. Tamiya, my emotional support sushi. <clears throat> I'm having him at the ready because we're going to get into the, the sad stuff. Hang on. I'll make a note to myself. Start the violin about now. Not just there, but you could easily add. Yeah. <laughs> so I've kind of like given you guys this like a little, a little sampling of what we're dealing with here stupid advanced space age aircraft 20 years ahead of its time right now the plan was the canadian air force would have bought these in the hundreds because like again they want to defend the entire arctic circle from soviet bombers and they don't want any getting through they're going to have a huge number of these in layered defense right okay Mm -hmm. so in terms of actually being built two variants of the arrow were built so the first was the Mark One, and we touched on this earlier. Five of them were built. These were kind of like the proofs of concept, and these Pratt and Whitney J seventy five engines, right? And this is the first Arrow ever built, RL two hundred one flying here. The second one was the Mark Two, and only one of these was actually like completely built and ready for flight before the program was canceled. Spoiler alert! So this one was going to be like the first actual proper aircraft that would be given to the Canadian Air Force. That being the reason for that being, it had the Orenda PS13s. So this was the one that, if it had flown, would have absolutely destroyed the world speed record, like no competition. Even if it wasn't at full performance, it would have broken it. This was a Mach Two Plus aircraft. So this is the aircraft that got away. Yeah, quite literally, yeah. <laughs> like, think about you know, in these in the 1950s. There were supersonic aircraft, but they weren't going more than about, what, Mach 1.5, Mach 1.7? And those were, um, like, experimental aircraft, like the Bell X-1 and stuff, eh? weren't they? Yeah, well, I mean, this was, you know, the, you know, the aircraft that were going, you know, even coming close to Mach 2 were skunk works, right? These were, like, black aircraft. Um, the Arrow was going to easily demolish Mach 2 um, on, a, on a bad day. Like, I think that would have even been faster than the uh, stiletto. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Even most modern like jet fires today don't really go over Mach 1.7 when they're really gunning it. So so there you are. So when are, when are we starting the p- petition to um, Canada, Canadian military? Oh, there have been programs, I can assure you. <laughs> uh, you guys might get a kick out of this. So... Speaking of petitions in the Canadian military. So, here we go. <laughs> Afro-Canada, now I, I described how like they were a very forward-thinking organization. They did a lot of like, research on their own, right? They didn't just wait around for contracts to be given to them. So, even as they were building the first like five or so prototypes, they had already planned out the third variant. And this was something where there's actual documentation on. Like They were really serious about this. The plan was basically just to make an improved arrow, right? It would have better radar, it could probably carry more missiles. The main visual difference would be the air intakes, which would basically be the idea of just being scoop more air in because they wanted to improve the PS13 engines to be able to produce that just that little bit more 
thrust, right? At the loss of just a little bit of um, visual appearance. It matters not. Matters not. You got. You got to make sacrifices for it. I mean, you, you no. got to look good while taking down Soviet bombers at God knows what speed. You know. Oh, of course. You're always looking good, no matter what you're in, when you're taking down Soviet bombers. Well, Callum, you think this looks bad, right? Yep. May I introduce to you the Avro Arrow PS2? That thing. This was. I want before anyone calls me uh, like a maple boo. There was actual documentation from certain Avro engineers at the time in the 1950s who actually were serious about developing these. So here we have the Aero PS2. What it has here is it's an Avro Aero Mark III, right? So it's got the improved PS13 engines and all that. They've added canards to it, and they've added four ramjet engines on the wing pylons. Jesus, Jesus Christ. So that <laughs> thing would go faster than the missile. This thing would easily do Mach 3.5. Easily. Jeez. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, okay, I Why would you ever need that? speculative numbers. There's never, none were ever actually built. So we're just kind of like doing the math based on, okay, they were using ramjets that were produced in that day and age. It had four of them. We can kind of estimate the speed, right? But yeah, that was the whole idea. At, so, at that point, you're going to launch your your um, air-to-air missile and you'll watch it trail behind you as you overtake it. Yeah. <laughs> see, see that, that that's the key in combat because you're going to fly past the bomber and the bomber's going to be like, oh, what a fucking idiot. And the next thing you know, or the next thing they know, is they're heading down south because uh, they got hit. <laughs> Yeah, they'll just be like, oh, look, he missed, and then, what's that? <laughs> oh, it, it's because they could say sorry before it hit him, that's why. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry in you, advance. You just have this Doppler effect of, like, sorry. <laughs> hey, what was he talking about? <laughs> so, um, when it, the Avro Arrow, like, the first, like, interestingly, here's a bit of trivia for you. So, when they rolled out the first prototype to the public, the same day Sputnik was launched. So the idea, even like a little bit later in the Avro Aero development program of ICBMs was very real, right? People were starting to think a lot about them, and we'll touch more on that later. So some Avro engineers took it upon themselves to develop an arrow that could be used to kill ICBMs while they were ascending what? into space. Jesus Christ, that was you're the fucking idea. kidding. So <laughs> it could kill ICBMs. Wow. This is fucking the awesome. Mark IV, which was the last, like variant which there was any sort of like any sort of like documentation on right and this one would have traded in the four ramjets for two scramjets which are even more ridiculously overpowered it looks like something from thunderbirds it it does doesn't it this is the most jetsons aircraft i think we've ever developed but yeah um, I defy the American government to show me an aircraft which they seriously thought would be used to kill ICBMs. Uh, we wouldn't have worried about it. We would have just let it uh, annihilate the country and then the elites would have taken over. <laughs> there you go. Canadian space lasers for you guys. But yeah, that's uh, where we were headed. If people had just like let the program run its course. But unfortunately, they didn't. Black Friday. <laughs> that, that is actually the name. Like, if you read oh, um, shit. <laughs> books about that, is the the actual like name assigned to the state. So, February twentieth, nineteen fifty nine, the conservative government in power at the time, led by uh, Diefenbaker, Prime Minister John Diefenbaker, um, basically in Parliament just wrote this one paper that scrapped the entire Aero program. Um, they just said on this date, no, it's done. It's canceled. It's over. 
we're ceasing all funding for it. And not only that, every uh, arrow that had been produced up until that point was ordered to be destroyed. What? Yeah. Well, Why? That guy is now on my that, shit list. All the other technology, like the PS13s, were ordered destroyed at the time as well. That's it. I'm not moving to Canada. <laughs> is this guy still alive? Just one down. No. Oh, he's, he's long gone. Oh, I bet so. <laughs> yeah. Good reason. What, what Greg's were like, the. I want to go unalive him. What were the causes of his death? Do you know? I don't know. I think he just died of natural causes. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure that's what the yeah. papers say. He died naturally with two bullets in the back of his head. Damn straight. <laughs> he was suicidal. Broken kneecaps, <laughs> elbows, razor marks on his cheeks. <laughs> Strangely, there was a uh, Canadian Air Force insignia carved into his chest. Don't know where that came from. <laughs> Somehow he was castrated as well with his fucking <laughs> cock in his mouth. I don't know how that got there. <laughs> but yeah, Taken so, out with a velvet glove. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, in a seemingly senseless uh, action, the entirety of the Arrow program... It wasn't just that they said we're not funding it anymore. There was an official order put out to destroy every single arrow that had been produced. No. were still being built. Um, yeah. It's called Black Friday. Not so, The thing is that it's not so much the loss of the aircraft. It's also the fact that 50,000 people basically were out of a job on February 20th. Like, that was it. Because Avro Canada, you know, we talked about the CF-100, right? For the longest time, the only thing that was keeping them going was the conduct. But they had to build so many, like they could, they could go with that, right? When they transitioned to building the Arrow, the whole company was basically funneling the resources into this one project because they figured it's so advanced, it's so you know perfect for the Canadian Air Force that why would they ever not buy hundreds of them, right? But unfortunately, that meant that when the the contract was cancelled, just like that. Well, there was nothing else for Avril to do but tell people, and this is you know what actually happened. People were working on the line, and all of a sudden, over the PA system, everyone was told to drop their tools and leave the factory. Oh my god, that's awful. That's rough. Dennis, do you th- can we go piss on this dude's grave? <laughs> Dude, I wish. Do a Thatcher moment on this guy. What's his <laughs> name again? Uh, John Diefenbaker. John Diefenbaker. Well, he can... Stephen and put my nuts in his mouth. Can Stephen need these nuts? After February, so prior to February 20th, Canada was basically one of the world's most advanced countries in terms of aerospace engineering. Probably not as advanced as the United States, but like it was up there. It was top. Yeah, we made it to the moon. You could, you could, you probably could have made it to the bloody moon moon on one of these. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you guys want to know something? Yes. Of course. The Canadian Space Agency actually, like, it wasn't, they, they didn't reach out to Avro. Avro reached out to them with the idea that you could have put a lunar module in the payload oh bay of God. a heavily modified arrow. It would have flown to the edge of space and basically acted as a launch platform for a moon mission. Holy shit. This what is the about fuck? A decade, this <laughs> is about a decade before the Apollo program. That's awesome. That's incredible. And incidentally, um, so we'll talk about this. Like, so prior to Black Friday, Canada was one of the world's most advanced countries in terms of aerospace engineering, right? Immediately afterwards, we were where we are today, where we basically don't have much of anything of a nature. Wait a second. Wait a second. 
it's all I'm connecting the dots. The American government sent this faggot to go close the program <laughs> so Canada wouldn't get to the moon first. Jack, I think. Greg oh is my god, <laughs> Greg is turning into like every Canadian boomer you meet. Who's like, it does seem a bit weird. Like usually when a project or something is cancelled, they're like, well, you know, just stop what you're building and whatever's there is there, whatever. But the fact to order it and go, no, destroy everything there is, get rid of it. It's like, what brought that well, on? They said destroy. They didn't just mean like cut into pieces. They meant everything has yeah. to be gone. Yeah, that's a little so, suspicious. Question, guys. So in 19... 19- wait, 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 wait. Yep. Real quick. Who's, t- who's clicking? Ain't me. Ezra. Ezra, stop Ezra, playing War Thunder. I'm not playing War Thunder. Wait, I'm doing something very important. Oh god, he's making. Oh no! No, Dennis, do not refresh the slide. Do not not refresh refresh the slides. (laughs) Um, well, let's connect the dots, guys. 1959. All the engineers in Avro Canada developed this like insanely advanced aircraft are laid off. 19, what was it, 1969? Man lands on the moon. I'll give you yeah, one guess. 69. As... No, Are you I'll saying NASA a... just poached all the people working on the arrow? Actually, that's exactly what I'm saying. Believe it or not, the brain drain from Avro Canada is widely cited as one of the main reasons why the Americans were able to develop the technology they did to develop the Siren 5 rocket and then put man on the moon. See, I, I told you. I fucking told you. Not, I'm not even kidding. That is something like if you if you look at like net histories of the moon program, you will generally see like even just a little a few paragraphs devoted to the brain train from Avro Canada. So are you saying very, are you saying yeah. the Saturn Five instead of having a bloody uh, stars and stripes on it, it should have had a maple leaf on it? Well, I don't really know if it was a Saturn Five. Like, it's like the engineers from Avro went to basically all over NASA, right? They were pretty evenly distributed, as far as I understand. Yeah. Most, of the, most of the expertise had to do with alloys, like metal alloys, uh, plastics, um, you know, aerodynamics, all that. Um, yeah. yeah. The, then, then again, if you want to go that far, then technically, you know, NASA during that time, there's probably another flag that should have been on the uh, Saturn V that no one wants to talk about. An opening here, bud. I'm not going to. That's why I'm not mentioning <laughs> it. But, you know. It. <laughs> Germany. Yeah, a lot of um, <laughs> a lot, a lot of those uh, Nazi scientists Ezra that Drake. somehow survived the war. <clears throat> you just got to go into NASA and just um, yell out Zeke Heil and see how many hands go up. <laughs> instead of uh, instead of a uh, strange love like that guy who can't keep himself from doing the salute. <laughs> instead of a red, white, and blue flag, it should have been a uh, red, white, and black flag. Ooh. Oh, it's the forbidden. We need to watch. Lab. We need to watch Doctor Strangelove as a group. It's good. Like we do. going to have to stop himself from doing the salute. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that, yeah. that could be a Patreon video. We all watch Doctor Strangelove. I do it. I've never heard of it. Oh, it's you great. Know. You know the yeah. you know the classic um, guy with a cowboy hat riding a nuclear bomb down to the ground. Yes, that's yeah. where it's from. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. and it was re- written by a, a comedian, a comic genius, Peter Sellers. It's um, yeah, it's a really good movie. Them Ruskies want to steal all my precious bodily fluids. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what was the uh, the famous line? It was um, 
There's no point in a nuclear deterrent if you're not afraid to if you're afraid to use it. Yeah, there's a good line. There was a good line on there. It's a very good commentary on the whole nuclear crisis. But yeah. Anyway, back back um, to the arrow. Very much. I, I'm me saying that the moon landings were mostly well, not mostly, but they were largely in part to the demise of the arrow. It may sound like me being a maple boo, but if you look at just like the historical facts, it is very much a major component of the moon of the moon landing program. So yeah, I'm actually not surprised. In hindsight, I would probably still sacrifice most of our aerospace industry to get man on the moon. Like I think moon landings are infinitely cooler than fighter jets, but at the same time, well, at, at the same time, by the sounds of it, they, by the sound, it sounds like it, it could have been a uh, Canadian flag on the moon. So you know. Yeah, that's true. That is true. America can't have that, though. Actually, Avril Canada, it's interesting. They made uh, little scale models of moon landing vehicles. Oh, that's so cool. Like that, <laughs> that's, that's how serious they were about it. Yeah. That they weren't just messing around. Funny enough, but, Greg, funny enough, Greg, those original flags they painted, painted, they planted on the moon, they wouldn't be American flags anymore. They'll be French flags because the radiation from the uh, sun would have bleached them completely white. <laughs> <laughs> okay but were the moon landings even real though yes don't yes even <laughs> no we all know stanley kubrick framed uh yeah no it's fake yeah using cgi on computers that would not have even existed until like tw- three decades later yeah yeah well, they really did exist cool. because the aliens Same brought them and they warned us not to go to the moon but we really had to put up a front for the rest of the world <laughs> But yeah, to be fair, yeah, the Avro Arrow wouldn't have existed until like three decades later. So, yeah, Dennis, yeah, aliens made the Avro Arrow. They did. <laughs> they made the pyramids too. Well, yes. Well, that's Avro why they Arrow, look like, the same. The Americans are putting out, and yeah, it didn't seem like alien technology. Cope and seethe, Lockheed Martin. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that would have been good. America would have developed the uh, Blackbird, and they would have been intercepted by a. Um, an ever arrow. No, you just like you're in that blackbird. You're gunning it, right? You're like in the space suit and everything. You just see, like, see an avro arrow walk past you, like you're walking, you're like you're standing still, and he's just like wearing it, and like, uh, oh, Ezra, you know that the Trailer Park Boys, he's just like it's Jim Leahy from Trailer Park Boys. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, side side note, didn't the blackbird once get intercepted by uh, a, I want to say a Swedish what? aircraft? The Swedes of all people. They, they, yeah, it was something like a Viggen or something something like that intercepted a Blackbird. Well, I'm sure the Blackbird... Oh, I wouldn't be scared if I got intercepted by a Viggen. i just laugh. Yeah, there, there, was, there was one time that... Yeah, it was one of those countries, Sweden, some, someone, they intercepted a Blackbird. The most unassuming country. <laughs> yeah. That's their strategy. Yeah, so Black Friday, I'm bringing up Mr. Tumia. It, it was like the, this is the moment that transformed Canada's aviation industry forever. No, no, no. You mean it transformed the American? Well, it did, industry. yes. So, as we uh, touched on for a bit before, um, yeah, when they said the program is over, they also meant kill the arrow, kill it to death. So here we can see um, these are the prototype arrows. This is RL, I think, 202? Oh, just one moment. I just found, the, just found it. 
a SR-71 Blackbird was intercepted by, go away advert, was once intercepted by four Viggins after violating Sweden's airspace. (laughs) (laughs) Sweden's just, the Swedes just don't care. (laughs) Like, it matters not. (laughs) I mean, it was uh, crippled after an engine failure, but you know. You just don't mention that. I think it was crippled by an engine for, with an engine failure because it was a Swedish missile, man. <laughs> they did a yeah, warning. Sh- they did a warning shot across the engines. <laughs> oh, Dennis, give Mister Tamiya a squeeze for me. This is painful. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, like a soundboard, but better. <laughs> so, as you can see here, this is the Arvo Canada factory. Um, and yeah, this is only a couple of days after the order was given to cancel the program. You can already see these are the original Mark One prototypes. Um, and yeah, they're on the cutting block. These things were quite literally like, uh, I, I should also note, um, people weren't allowed to see these being cut up. So these photographs were literally from aircraft like flying at a considerable distance away. Um, and for the longest time, these were like only one or two photographs were available to the public, like this one. The color photographs like these were not available until much later, after all this was had blown over. Gotta um, say, that is a that is a decent photo. That is a really good it photo. Really oh, is. Yeah, it like is. that's an original color plate too. Yeah, but, it's really good. Like these are the. I'm not kidding when I say these are the most advanced aircraft in the world, and they are all just being cut up. Um, and melted into metal, like just scrap metal. That's really sad. You, you know the same thing happened to the uh, mosquitoes at the end of World War Two. Um, they melted. They were wood. Yeah. Well, they didn't melt them, but um, oh, okay. at the end of the war, they people were um, hired to specifically cut up and break up all the mosquitoes that the uh, RAF had, which is yeah. a, a crime. It that is, is a crime, dude. Mm, I mean, firewood. Like, you know, cut most of them up, but keep enough that you can like have them in museums, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, or even like Spitfires. They just they just basically destroyed everything, right? Yeah. That is so um, sad. There was, there was a while. After the war, do you know how much you could buy a Spitfire for? How much? 100 pounds. Can I get a ride in your Altus? We're going to go off to the uh, RAF and just... Uh, cop some spitfires however yeah, i'm outside your door right now yeah however um so this is you know 1945 sort of inflation rate all of that do you know how much a spitfire is worth nowadays how much five million. Oh, jeez 100 pounds oh wait never mind i thought we were like converting 100 pounds to today's money oh no 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 today in today's money a spitfire is worth between one to five million dollars oh. yeah so, you know, if I could go back in time, I'd go back to my family in England and just say, hey, um, here's the money. Go buy these aircraft. I know you don't want them. Store in a uh, garage and let me know about it. Every year, do a maintenance run. Make sure they're still good. Yep, yep. Make sure they're all good. And then when you die off, I'll be rich in the future. So, you know, we'll, get, we'll be set. <laughs> buy all the spare parts you need. And don't worry about my accent. Yes, I'm from the other side of the world, but don't worry about it. <laughs> The Back to the Future sequel we we need. Actually, your Back to the Back to the Future sequel will be making sure the arrow survives. Oh, there are conspiracy theories about RL two hundred six. I will get into those. <laughs> Dennis hijacks an arrow. 
Um, there is uh, there is an actual conspiracy theory. I don't think it was 206. I think it was 207, actually. One of the arrows that was flight-worthy disappeared. Oh. There is a theory. Oh, I know about this. Yes, You're going to see it in Ukraine. <laughs> <laughs> actually, it's not a bad aircraft to steal, because who the hell is going to catch you? Exactly. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a theory. There is a conspiracy theory that there is an arrow that is basically like no. There's not like some people thought that the Canadian Air Force stashed one away to like surprise the world later. But like I think at this point, the people who believe in that theory now think it's like just sitting in some barn in like northern Ontario, just because someone decided, ah, screw it, we'll put it away for future use. Search um, all the barns. That people do that actually. There are basically people like clubs who just go from one farm systematically to the next looking for the arrow. Imagine they actually find it one day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah They're going to be live streaming it and the farmer's going to shoot him dead and like blow up the camera. (laughs) (laughs) This is in America, Greg. (laughs) Hey, they still have guns up there. And hey, if I had an arrow in my bar, and I don't care where the fuck I'm at, I'm going to be protecting it with a fucking rifle. Got the strap on me. The Got the strap. Uh, but yeah, as you can see from these photos, like it's it's awful because the same people who had been b- building the arrows like uh, only like a day before now had to systematically destroy them. And again, these were just like, you know, just kind of demolished, right? These had to be taken apart piece by piece. Every single piece had to be destroyed. Oh, oh my god. And that's now, why see, a lot of people like suspect like some sort of like foul play like maybe the Amer- like a common thing people say is that the American government was afraid of how advanced the era was and like it was going to make their technology obsolete so they basically just pulled some strings and got uh destroyed. Well that, that's the thing. Just, just the fate of that is going to draw a lot of conspiracy theorists of like not just like just mothballing them but destroying every single component of it is suspicious as hell. I, I don't really support the whole conspiracy theory. Like, there are no conspiracy theories like I fully believe in. I do believe, though, that every single one of them does have a kernel of truth to it. Like, 9-11. It, it, it is true that the American government did actually, like, talk to the Canadian government about the arrow. There is, that is true. Um, whether or not they, for, you know, they forced them, more or less, to cancel it, I, I don't know. But it is true that there was some, like, discussion about it. At a very high level, are there some like documents that they haven't released yet that they have a release date for concerning this? Or I'm not aware. That'd be a question for either Jack or Ken Medic. Oh, Jack! No, nope. Oh, never mind. Nope. Wiki, wiki. <laughs> Hit up Don. All right, Don. <laughs> oh, Ken Medic. You do have to literally wake him up. He's probably asleep right now. Like nose deep and like he's probably uh, he's probably dreaming of bludgeoning us all to death. <laughs> probably with yeah. all the feet pick we keep sending. <laughs> oh, speaking of feet picks, oh god, oh god, god. no! Don't I'm refresh, refresh the, slides. the slides. I'm not refreshing. Nope. Oh, check out MMP lore. I need you to go uh, shoot yourself. God However, fucking damn it. <laughs> What, what did you guys put in MMP? Look at that. No, no, not though. you guys. Not you guys. Fucking. Oh, God. That is horrendous. I think new Photoshop is actually like the actual feed he like posted a picture of though. Oh like, my, I hate you. Oh, I, I bet I could. You know what? No, I'm not holding back. I'm not holding back. Fuck it. I'm sending it now. Okay. Oh, sick. <laughs> oh! <laughs> <laughs> 
lead to the slide. No, no, no I didn't. That's my air hose right there. <laughs> I was going to save that until right before the hill to die no, on. No, go for it. Go but no, it. no, you had to tell him to add the feet. The dogs. <laughs> the dogs. Let the dogs out of the pound, Greg. The that might be the best picture I've ever seen. That's <laughs> the best picture you've ever seen. Ezra's just drooling over it now. <laughs> okay, hey, Dennis, nice should picture. I send the, the SpongeBob picture? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, no, not the big dick SpongeBob. Yeah. <laughs> Vainy boy. <laughs> Oh god, we have problems. Oh, That was Jack when he saw his fucking illness today. <laughs> I was just about to fucking say that. <laughs> you make one, but like with Jack instead of me, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck I'm tearing up <sighs> wait Jack send me a picture of your head oh god which one <laughs> which head <laughs> both do it oh, god. let's see it let's go oh. and if you want to see what they're talking about join the discord there yes link join the discord <laughs> oh my god I think at this point oh. they probably wouldn't want to, to join it <laughs> <laughs> Holy Christ. Oh my god, I can't see straight. My fucking eyes are too blurry from watering up. Oh. I think that Dennis Averro pick might be as good as a certain someone when they see a Stug 3. Oh yeah, that's, that's up there. Hey, what can I say? I make some good memes. You do. Oh, you... All you disturbed creatures. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I'm glad no, to be the guys, eldest, just so I can claim I don't understand. <laughs> Callum is Callum is the Justin Rosniak of our podcast. Yes, the who? Yes, no, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I'm with you there, Callum. I have no idea what the fuck they're talking about now. Who the fuck's Listen Justin to Rosniak? Listen to what's your problem. Don't worry about. It. Yeah, Shameless that's our plug. that's our inspiration. I've listened to. Well, there's your problem. He's the civil engineer on that podcast. Like he's the guy who actually knows what, like about the trains. Oh <laughs> uh, right, yeah. He's got the. He's the one. He's the one with the really good accent. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you yeah. could say that. You could yeah. say that. Okay. Well, I mean, that's kind of fitting considering that I work in a civil engineering firm. So you know, you are literally the Justin Rosniak of uh, Micro Machines. I've even got the funny accent. Yeah, yep. you do. <laughs> yeah, this is true. I think, um, uh, who's the Liam Anderson? Hold up, boys. I will be back in one, 30 seconds. Countdown. We all know it's Dennis. <laughs> I mean, that's fairly true. Yeah. He Here's does Dennis make guy? lots of actionable threats. Dennis is, uh, taking a quick run around his house. He's going for a quick jog. He's grabbing tissues, actually, because, well... Rough time reason shown above in MMP. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll call this our little break. We'll we'll call this our little break. Yeah, I'll I'll edit this intermission. Oh, so you uh, know, Cal I, I, yeah. 
Uh, quick question. I know you're having problems at the moment with uh, the Corsair stuff, but do you think it'll be done, like, up, fully uploaded within the next, like, uh, 12 to 14 hours? Uh, probably closer to 24. God damn it. Okay. Uh, I'm just I'm just having a few issues with trying to get the audios to match up. It's, um, yeah. But like, literally, once I, once I get it to match up, then I can export it immediately. Yeah, okay. I've literally just got just. There's you just listen to it and then you just notice like no that wasn't no that's not supposed to be there that was and then people start talking over each other when they shouldn't so yeah I'm just yeah God bless you I, sir for being the man to do it thank Callum yeah <laughs> love you I just want much. to apologize Callum I know my audio was super fucked up that episode uh, well, I've already sold so. it Jules out it's fine oh you're not the problem child. <laughs> <laughs> oh god is it me? Is. okay so end okay. of edit so dennis we'll start yeah, chatting about this going grab my coffee from the hot plate god damn and i'm already getting my ass out of the <laughs> <laughs> okay. oh uh yeah okay go okay so uh, oh, dennis yeah. what are we looking at oh shit man you think i know <laughs> I don't know. Just, yeah, we got, we got like a oh, shit. we got like a Labrador. We got a CF eighteen. Got little little airplanes. Oh right, okay. So despite the fact that the arrow was like, it was an actual thing. It was a huge cover up. Like they tried to destroy all of it. Certain parts of it survived today. For one thing, a lot of blueprints from the arrow were smuggled home by engineers who like pissed off that their work was ordered to be destroyed because it wasn't just the aircraft. It was even the blueprints. Those were ordered to be shredded and burned. Damn. Um, so a lot of blueprints still exist. Um, from Arenda engines, a lot of work from there um, continued to survive. Um, we have an entire front section of RL-206, which was the first Mark II arrow, kind of like the first you know combat arrow, if you will. Um, that ex- survives in the Ottawa Air and Space Museum. Um, a lot of like paraphernalia related to the arrow um, still exists, if that makes any sense. Like, but just nothing from the actual aircraft. Like, no, say there's not a wing section that's just like sitting around, right? <clears throat> there are no tails, for argument's sake. Um, Unfortunate. Isn't there yeah. a seat though? There are again, like there. Are, yeah, there's a seat. I think there are like wing tips that still exist tips. from it. Just thanks, Ezra. You're welcome. <laughs> Um, yeah. Now, what has happened, however, is in the 21st century, there's been a bit of a resurgence in interest in the arrow because, like, it is very much a part of Canadian history. And in some way, it's also, like, become a part of mainstream Canadian culture. Like, you ask the average person on the street, most of them probably won't know what the Avro arrow is, but, like, a significant proportion of them will. Like, enough, I'd say probably more laymen know about the arrow than the CF 18. Which is our current like fighter jet. So what has happened is uh, basically like as it's become more you know popular in popular culture and like you know we've got more media about it, um, people have started to go hunting for anything related to the arrow. And uh, I think one of the neat big uh, you know big searches for arrow paraphernalia happened a few years ago in Lake Ontario. So. Rather than testing the arrow in a wind tunnel, what they basically did, and you guys will get a kick out of this, 
to test like the flight characteristics of it, they put a model of the Avro Arrow on like for all intents and purposes an APFS DS round and shot it out of a fifteen centimeter cannon. <laughs> Sounds like something I do in the backyard with my friends. Yeah. <laughs> what they would do is they would shoot these things just like that was how they worked. That instead of like using a wind tone, yeah, put it on a seventeen pounder. We'll see what happens. Hey, what happened to that ram we had in the back? Go ahead and grab it for me. <laughs> but yeah, so even those one, I think it was like one to six, I want to say, scale models of the arrow, even those were ordered to be destroyed, and they were sunk to the bottom of Lake Ontario. Um, but in recent years, there have been these scuba diving expeditions to go and recover them, and thankfully... I think a couple of those models have now been recovered and raised and put in museums. Good. So like slowly but surely, um, just everyday Canadians are rolling back the decision of the government to uh, basically erase everything about the arrow, and like people are starting to make it more well known, and we're starting to learn stuff about our history that for the longest time we basically forgot. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, I have a little happy note. Mm-hmm. Now we get to talk about why it was canceled. Because American Men Project. Um, so to, tonight we've I, I've talked a lot about all the great stuff about the Avro, right? Um, but there was negative aspects to it. So there were two really well, actually no, three major things that really like made the project kind of an iffy thing, right? The first one was. It was cost. It, there were major cost overruns. You know, the arrows that were developed were more or less just proofs of concept. The there was only one that was developed that could even be test flown by the Canadian Air Force, and that was RL two hundred six. And that was after how many millions of dollars had been poured into the project? Remember, millions of dollars in nineteen fifties money, right? Like, that's a pretty pretty sizable investment. Um, as well, the arrow was pretty significantly behind schedule, and. The Canadian Air Force, you know, this is the height of the Cold War. They needed something now, not later, right? And the Arrow, because of all the advanced technology that had to be, you know, invented just to get it flying, it was not the kind of aircraft which would just kind of be spat off the assembly line like the CF-100, right? It was going to be, like, there was a long way to go before you would start to see these things showing up on air bases. Um. The third one was the potential cost to the Canadian Air Force, the Canadian government. These things being so advanced and so many of them being needed to do missile defense, basically, um, for the Canadian Air Force, meant that you're looking at probably an acquisition that would be easily in the hundreds of millions of dollars in the 50s. Like, this is quite literally the F-35 program of the 50s, where, like, you know, if you know anything about the Canadian Air Force of its day, we actually pulled out of the F-35 program because of how expensive the development costs were. Same exact you pulled deal out? with the Avro Arrow. Like, <laughs> to a T. Um, the, there was another aspect, though, and that was the advent of missiles. So I, I mentioned how the Arrow was, like, test, it was demonstrated to the public the same day that Sputnik was launched, right? And, of course, launching Sputnik ushered in the era of the ICBM one of which an American one is pictured here. Of course, the problem with ICBMs is that you can't really intercept them, although, you know, Avro Canada would have tried, damn it. Um, you can't intercept them the way you can a bomber. 
And of course, the Soviets were going to go and just convert all their bomber fleets to ICBM fleets. You can't intercept those with aircraft. So it, it was basically, you know, at the time, there was this sort of missile mania going on where everyone thought, ah, manned aircraft, they're obsolete, right? Missiles are the way of the future, which, of course, as we know today, is completely wrong. But at the time, that's what they thought. And so to a large extent, the Canadian government thought, well, if we can use missiles instead of, you know, actual aircraft to shoot down whatever bombers the Soviets still throw at us, then, you know, what's the point? We can use cheaper missiles instead of this insanely expensive aircraft and we'll get the same result. Um, those are major, like, aspects as to why it was canceled. Again, we can go into all the conspiracy theories, but if we want to, like, think just about the reason why they may not have decided to pursue the arrow, that was probably why. Hmm. I mean, I, I get I say, it, but fuck them. Yeah. I say we should go into all the conspiracy theories. <clears throat> yeah, I like the idea of the American space program taking over better than fucking... Uh, you couldn't intercept ICBMs. Fucking cucks. I mean, we, we've demonstrated that they could have. Or at least they wanted to. Apparently not, Dennis. Apparently not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you. I needed that. But yeah, um, as always, we're not allowed to have fun things. <laughs> nice one, Nasra. <laughs> that was me. Oh, nice one, Greg. <laughs> so Wait, no, it was me. What do you mean? Don't take all the credit. Wait, which part are you talking about? Oh, the, the, the uh, slide Jack. or the... Okay, Jack, never mind. Oh, is that what you were talking about, Dennis? Oh. What? Oh, I just I'm, saw... I'm so confused. You, Lord. Oh, God, okay. So, anyways, <laughs> this is what the government basically decided to replace the Avro Arrow with. This is a Bomark surface-to-air nuclear missile. What? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Oh, my Christ. God. Oh. <laughs> I would not want to drive that around. People thought that air manned aircraft were obsolete, right? Missiles were the way of the future. So the Canadian government said, well, look, the Soviets are going to use ICBMs anyways, but if they do send manned bombers over the Arctic Circle, it's cheaper to have a small fleet of these unmanned nuclear missiles, the idea being that they just kind of fly in the center of the Russian bomber formation and then vaporize it. Rather than having <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, that was... We're going to go deliver our friends a package. <laughs> Bro, it's literally it's literally Hiroshima and Nagasaki, but like 38,000 feet in the air. Quite literally, yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Nuclear air-to-air missile... Like, wait, air-to-air wait, 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 wait. combat was a thing in the 50s. Greg just said Hiroshima and Nagasaki was awesome. Yes, I did. We, we discussed. Didn't this Dennis fucking... say the same thing? Yeah, it's not a war crime. Fucking <laughs> goober. Holding a, a squishy sushi in my hands. Um, yes, I don't care. It was awesome. Taste the sun. <laughs> oh, dear God! <laughs> I could say something extremely sketchy right now. I but could I say won't. something extremely sketchy. We just said Hiroshima and Nagasaki yes. were awesome. Go ahead. Send you're it. right. You're right. You're right. Okay. So you know why the reason um, Japanese people's eyes are slanty? No, 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 no. Because they had to deal with the blast from the nukes. So now it just looks like they're permanently squinting. It's a blast from the past, yeah. Uh, no, I'm honestly not Japanese. 
Okay, okay well, <laughs> leading on to that, I'm surprised that Krauts weren't the first ones to actually use a nuke. Well, they actually, <laughs> they got damn yeah. close. Yeah. That stuff. Not that smart. Like they, they were actually very close in Norway with the heavy water project, but we can talk about that yeah, in another episode. We should. Mm -hmm. heavy we really should. We reactor that uses heavy water as like baby food. Come on, it's not that big of a deal. Heavy water, come on. There's heavy water <laughs> everywhere. I'm drinking it right now. <laughs> that is actually a thing. There's a little bit of heavy water in normal water. Fun fact. We're all nuclear. <laughs> Well, oh, uh, Jack, stop me! I'm going to start talking about candy reactors. Um, oh no, I'm I'm ready to hear it. Um, that that's yeah, we're all up. for it. Um, they use uh, heavy water, which is deuterium, as a moderator to prevent the reaction from going, you know, from becoming a nuclear reaction into a nuclear explosion. Right? That's how they keep it kind of under under tamp. Um, okay. And the great thing about that is that you know you know Chernobyl. Um, Heard about that it? That happened because the Soviets used graphite as a moderator, which it's a great moderator, but like if you use it incorrectly, <laughs> not. it actually accelerates the nuclear reaction into an explosion. Obviously, so that's why that happened. But candy reactors yeah, obviously can't Duh. Melt down because they use heavy water. Um, Goddamn Soviets! And you know, well, shout out I have to a Canada, question Canada for you guys. One. We we pioneered that. So if you have power and you're in like Western Europe or Canada. Or India or Pakistan, you can thank us. You can thank okay. us. What was better, Chernobyl or Hiroshima? Oh my god, <laughs> it better Chernobyl. and more intense. Chernobyl's cool as shit. It's yeah, like Chernobyl abandoned. Yeah. Have you seen those catfish? The Chernobyl catfish, fucking huge. No, but I'm looking it up. Yeah, look it up right now. I mean, think about Chernobyl's basically waging war by praxis against Russia and Ukraine right now. Like, didn't the Red Force cook an entire battalion of Russian soldiers? Oh, God! Whoa! They're big, aren't they? Mm. That is... Whoa! Oh, I... <laughs> what, I drop a photo? God damn! Yeah, drop a photo. I want to see these catfish. Send a pic. Let me see how big it is. It's so big. Greg, stop saluting in the journal chat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those are... Goddamn, that is really big. <laughs> you could, like... You could, like... That could... Oh, yeah, wait, go ahead and eat that, Ezra. Go ahead and eat that. Well, uh, those okay. are in the uh, cooling pond, I think? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a fantastic opportunity if you're so lucky to be blessed with that, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm happy mean... for them. <laughs> hey, Dennis. Dennis. Yes. Check uh, podcast planning. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, the Avro Arrow in its entirety, um, a program of what would be like, what, 500 aircraft, was replaced by two missile launching sites in Quebec with a handful of these. I mean, honestly, oh, wait, those were actually in service? Dude, can't they have nuclear weapons? We were strapped, man. That's fucking horrifying. Honest to God, like, that's really smart, because you don't have to run maintenance, you don't have to... I mean, obviously maintenance, but you don't have to do it like a, like a fucking fighter jet. Uh, I'm sure it costs less. People want to, like, 
hate on the bow mark and i get it personally i would much rather have like you know 500 avro arrows constantly being upgraded in service but considering that soviet bombers are becoming less like common anyways like the threat of like thousands of them coming over the arctic circle were like getting less every day the, the bow mark it was an economic you know it was a decision made out of economic viability and they would have done the job you know, I hate to say it, but like these, on paper at least, yeah, it was a smart, it was a smart decision. Doesn't mean it was the right decision, but it was the smart one. Just like Hiroshima and Nagasaki. <laughs> oh. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Sometimes we must do the hardest things for the right reasons. The story of my life. Especially when I want to go to Chernobyl now. <laughs> Just no, big catfish. no. However, I just want to see these big catfish. No, because you're gonna go cool. there and you're gonna see it. And you're gonna be like, "Damn, I traveled all this way. I might as well take a bite of one." <laughs> and then he's gonna have a big catfish himself. <laughs> no, he's gonna come back to America and start the next COVID like twenty five. <laughs> <laughs> However, my name's Ezra, and I'm patient zero for COVID twenty five because I ate a fucking radiated catfish dude i've eaten catfish and it's disgusting you what it's slimy what no no it's not you you ate a wrong someone cooked it wrong or something sashimis it was nuclear it was radioactive (laughs) god oh that's why my hair has been falling out (laughs) (laughs) so Yes, you know, it, it's a tragedy of the Avro Arrow. However, in its place, we did get some pretty pretty sick aircraft. Um, there were basically oh two aircraft the Canadian Air Force bought to kind of like replace whatever the Bomark missile could. The first here is the CF-104 Starfighter. Um, guess what this aircraft was made to do by the Americans? Like, what, what purpose do you think it would serve? The original Space Force. Interceptor, exactly. No, it has no wings. It is not meant to fly at low level. Guess what the Canadians used it for? Ground attack. Yeah, this thing was basically the A-10 before the A-10, and that is not an exaggeration. These things would fly at treetop level and drop tank busting bombs. Yep. Wait, didn't we cover this in the first episode? I I, I like make a point of whenever I can. I mention the fact that the Canadians turned the interceptor into an A-10. Oh, that's fair. I mean, because didn't this thing have like a pretty big uh, cannon? No, it only had a 20 mil, mm, but it's how you cannon. use it. It's not about the size of the cannon. <laughs> yes, Jack. It has a big cannon. Control yourself. I can't. I can't. Well, Jack sees a big <laughs> cannon and he's just like <sighs> acting yeah, that's strange. Th- the thought of putting a tow <laughs> missile on my Iltis is making I'm me telling you, up. dude. Dude, I'm telling you. Like, I know you can't legally have a real one, but you can legally have a fake one made from That's PVC true. pipe and cardboard. <laughs> yeah, PVC pipe that would actually work. Uh, yeah, actually, will help. You it would look Jack. the part. It would. You don't have to. It, it doesn't have to launch anything. You just gotta make it look the part. Uh, Jack, what, but we what if I wanted to model launch. rockets though? Oh, actually, you know, fireworks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so this you guys are going to get shot by the Canadian police. They're just going to sh- mow you guys down in the oh, streets. Yeah. 
Yeah, ripping that thing through Scarborough. <laughs> <laughs> ripping that thing through, through Brampton, dude. <laughs> Brampton. Get hit by a driver yeah. driving on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> Damn. Okay. So Go on, this Dennis. was the CF-104. This is one of the two aircraft. The second one was the CF-101 Voodoo. Yes. Yes. Love the Voodoo, Look man. at that thing. I um, would fuck the Voodoo. It is such a good-looking yo. aircraft. I'm already in it. Like, stand back, everyone. <laughs> Brace yourselves. Yeah, so the Voodoo the was... Blast zone. I mean, again, the Voodoo itself, it, it's a nice aircraft. It's kind of like an Avro Arrow light. Um, yeah, you know, it, it, it's actually a pretty fast aircraft. It had a high-altitude capability. So, whereas the Starfighter did a lot of, like, the fighter duties that the Arrow would have done, this was the Interceptor. At least originally. And... When I talk about Canada having nukes, we had the Bomark, and then we had the Air 2A Genie, which was, again, that unguided rocket that they would just kind of like point at the Russian bomber formation, launch, turn around, and then put the blast shades on. Um, but yeah, these things, that's what they did. Just cruise around with nukes. <laughs> Sick. Yeah. Yeah, I fly a plane with nukes on it, no big deal. <laughs> I mean, I feel like a lot of broken arrow incidents must have come out of this. Or is that just an American thing? Losing That's just nukes? an American thing, bro. The it Canadians don't get overrun. No, the Canadians do the overrunning. <laughs> and a little bit of war crime. Oh, the way, just a little bit. Perception is not just, always reality, my friend. But yeah. Just a little snack-sized war crime. Yeah. That is basically what, you know, those are the two aircraft we got instead of the Arrow. And you know what? They're pretty cool. The Voodoo especially. They're like It's a nice looking aircraft. It's pretty aesthetic. Aesthetically pleasing. I mean, especially I that so. black. Oh, yeah. yeah the it's black big and it's tits. black. What's not to love? <laughs> I'm not even going to touch that one. How veiny is it? <laughs> 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 is it Spongebob veiny or is it like not <laughs> anyone, to anyone who's listening at this point who's survived like the past like debauchery um, I will ad- advise you go on Google and look up electronic warfare uh, voodoos because when these right before they were retired from service these were used basically to like act as op for in the Canadian Armed Forces and as kind of like training people for electronic warfare and they gave those they gave those some pretty nice paint schemes like model worthy mm. on a side note i know someone here in trc who flew uh voodoos during vietnam oh yeah but nobody lives in trc how is that possible you're right trc is non-existent oh i mean jack you figured like every third person in america is a veteran like <laughs> yeah, hey true. but only one percent of us serve our country <laughs> 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 Fucking gotta hate America. Anyways, nuclear rockets. Woohoo! Well, let me just turn, like, this entire Woo-hoo. section of the atmosphere into glass. Yeah, what's wrong with that? Oh, nothing. Okay, and uh, yeah, to kind of cap the arrow off here, I thought you know for Jack and I's benefit, I'd make a little like sentimental <laughs> tumbler, tumbler board here. Oh, for fucking crying out yeah, loud. Actually, not. all right, here come the tears. So, yeah. <laughs> um, to a lot of like, people who are not Canadian, like the arrow, like you probably listen to this and you're just like, ah, oh, it was a, you know, 
a pretty interesting aircraft that got canceled for some weird reason. But like, if you if you grew up in Canada, like I know in uh, grade ten, like if you take Canadian history grade ten, like this is one of the things that they teach you about. Even though they never like save time for modern Canadian history because they spend all of it talking about World War One. Um, like yeah, it's uh it's you know survive from 1959 onwards to be a national icon. It's part of our national identity. Um, yeah, it's just kind of like you know, it was a dream that a lot of people had to make an aircraft that would make us kind of like number one, and it was just mowed down for no good reason. Yeah. Give Mister to me a big squeeze. There we go. <laughs> yeah. But um. Callum, this is where the uh, violin goes in. Oh, it's been going for a while, I think. <laughs> Even through all those dick jokes. <laughs> Especially. And the. Through fucking every dick joke the violin got. <laughs> Through every dick joke, the violin got bigger and bigger. Till it's just drowning you guys out. <coughs> <laughs> it's you gotta just, admit, though, those those jokes were pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it's just the violin and then Greg yelling, but where are the veins? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. One interesting thing, though, is that back in the 2000s, um, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, which is like our version of the British Broadcasting Corporation, like they make all sorts of movies, right? All that stuff. Um, they made a feature-length film called The Arrow, and it was basically just kind of like a docudrama about the uh, Avril Arrow. And to it, for that film, they actually made a one-to-one scale model, which I think you guys will appreciate, of the aircraft, like accurate right down to every like dial in the cockpit. Um basically just for certain scenes of that movie. And then for a period of time, that model was stored at the Canadian Air and Space Museum in uh, Toronto until it was moved uh, about maybe a year ago to uh, an airport. We can still see it, by the way, in Edenvale, which is just north of the city. Um, but yeah, I remember I was a kid. I must have gone there like... I must have spent half my weekends as like a four-year-old down there and like just seeing this. like you, Again, it, it's so huge in person. It, the photos really shrink it. I didn't. I didn't know that photo on the left was you of your childhood. Uh, that is, <laughs> like, yeah. Talk to any Canadian boomer from that from that time period from Toronto. They'll describe stuff like that to you. So that one's a one to one model, right? Um, that's not. So the one on the left here, that's the real thing on the day it was rolled out. Yeah. This one is the one to one model. See, where's the weathering? You know, there's no, there's no weathering on there's it. There's no panel lining. There's no yeah, it's fucking bullshit. <laughs> the panel, you know, how many because bottles of... Because it around long enough. How many bottles of yeah, bloody, yeah. Uh, panel liner would that thing take? <laughs> Only one because it never saw fucking air. Oh, it did. Oh, It saw a lot of uh, flights. Like, in the kind of like three months or so that they were flying, that they had it out every day. They were running that thing hard. No, they didn't. Uh, I wish I could have seen it. Like... Wow. What, the model? Wait, the model flies? No, but you can't no. see it. Like if you No, I've seen... Yeah. I think I've seen the model before. Yeah. Like a while ago. It it was... Apparently, it sounded beautiful. The oh, I bet. It was supposed to be just insane. No, we gotta find the one in the barn. It, it's yeah. got all the good weathering. 
He has a point. Just kind of makes you feel sentimental about what could have been, you know? No, not really. Shut up, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so anyways, more fun. Uh, the models. They made there models. There we go. <laughs> the models. Hobbycraft. Hobby oh, trash. God. Not hobby. And there you go. Yeah, hobby trash. Like that. <laughs> yeah, so there are lots of models of this. The uh, Funny enough, you guys know what Aurora models, that American company? Yeah, it's horrible. Greg, I think you have a special relationship with these guys. Do I? Oh, I don't no, know. No, you're, it, that's Atlantis we're thinking about. I bet they work together at some point, though. I think they do, yeah. The collab. Um, but yeah, so funnily enough, like this was at that like beautiful stage in the 1950s where models were getting popular. Atlantis. So, uh, yeah, so Aurora made a model of the CF-105 while the thing was being built. And this here is actually one of the uh, engineers who worked on it. And he, he's got one of those after it was canceled. <laughs> he was like, hey, I think the caption was, uh, he was saying, get one of these while you can because you won't ever get the real thing. <laughs> that's fucked up. Damn, that's cold. Yeah, but you can't even get the model anymore. So, I mean, you can. I mean, Hobbycraft Canada. They made a couple of them. They made the forty-eight uh, and seventy-two scale CF one hundred five, and they retooled it in two thousand and twelve. So, I mean, you can, but you have to be willing to like spend one hundred and fifty dollars to get one. Ugh. How much, dude? Some dude I know. One hundred and fifty dollars on eBay. Jesus. eBay. Yeah, I know. That's, that's, by the way, that's for the 72 scale, and that'd be a good deal. This dude I know was getting rid of the 148 scale one for, I think, 48 bucks. I regret not getting it. That is a steal. Like, you will have to 3D print basically everything to correct the crappy old molds, but it's worth it. You know what I got instead of the arrow? What? That 172nd scale B36. Autism. You cannot be serious. You did not actually take a B36 over a 48th scale arrow. Okay, look. The thing is, that kit's like 400 bucks, And he was trying to get rid of it for 50 so... Just take both. Yeah, honestly, with your kind of modeling money, I'd say just grab both. Yeah. I should've. Yeah, you cheapskate. Oh, Man, I can't Greg. Build an arrow. I want to build a B thirty six peacemaker. Dude, I'm telling you, I'm when I finish building it, it's gonna have two B forty seven strapped to the wings. God. Okay, why has only Hobbycraft made a CF one oh five though? Because no one cares about that stupid aircraft, that's why. Greg, I swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> Greg's king in his kneecaps, bro. Greg, I hope that you break your bottle of extra thin and it spills all over your mouth. That's not true. You can't say that, man. <laughs> Just stay right. Callum, cue the uh, the world's smallest violin, please. And another squeeze of Mr. Tamiya. <laughs> yeah. 
I do want to see Tamiya make one of these in 32 skill. That'd be pretty That sick. would be sick. I actually would Imagine. too, yeah. That would be really oh, neat. It would, it would be huge, though. Good. Oh, it would be yeah. huge. No. We like big things. We do. We love big things. It would be massive, and that's... Some that's would good. argue too large. No such thing. Yeah. I will say, I'll take it any size, to be honest. Like, as yeah, long as it's there... Hey, yo, that's out of pocket, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but you do take it 148 yeah. scale. There's yeah. There's a company that does a 1 to 144 scale resin arrow. And it's, like, Sick. brand new. Well, Ooh. brand new, but it's, like, 3D printed and all that. Okay, Dennis, quit fucking blue balling us. Minicraft. Minicraft. Oh, no! I'm kidding, no, I have no, no idea. No, not that I don't, I don't. It's the uh, one off of eBay. It's a completely different minicraft. It's the eBay one. That sounds, <laughs> that so, sounds much, awful. That so much worse. If you said that like seven years ago, bro, like that would be worse. <laughs> it's the eBay special. Oh, God. I mean, technically, all of these kits are now the eBay special. Yeah, so Tamiya, come on. Mr. Take Tamiya, a hint. Mr. Tamiya, come on. Even Ravel, like, yeah, we just need something. No, 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 no! Don't, don't Ravel hurt Ezra. Do quite well. Hold on, there was actually a, a modeling company that did buy a bunch of like that uh, preserved arrow blueprints, like some of the ones that had been saved when it was being destroyed. I oh. don't know what company it was, but it was confirmed that there was a major modeling company that did buy the blueprints. A major modeling company. A major one. Hmm. I don't well, know who it is. I would even have taken Academy one. I don't care who makes it, just make it. Yes. Shut up, Wearaboo. <laughs> you mean Korea? Yeah, gatekeeping the arrow. Yes. Okay, I see how it is. Dude, you have every right to gatekeep it like I do. Come on. Yeah, I know, I know. I just... Yeah. I just want it. I don't know. I don't build aircraft, but I would if... There was. One. What do you mean you're you're building a comet right now? I'm Jack. building a comet right now. I'm getting used to it. Okay. I'm oh. dipping my toe in. Yeah. The my toe iltus. Yeah. <laughs> well then, that long tirade was the Avro Arrow. Happy Canada Day, everyone. Not anymore. Happy Canada Day. <laughs> nope. We are. Like an hour and a half past that, but oh well, who cares? Oh well, we have a segment on this podcast called "The Hill to Die On," and in this segment, one of us comes on with a really crappy take, and they get crucified for it. And this week, we have Greg. Go Greg. All right, so uh, in America, <laughs> especially the South, we have a controversial topic known as the French fry effect, where some people believe that french fries or anything potato wise taste better skinless uh versus with skin uh if you see on the screen there uh you got the basic mcdonald fries on the left and on the right you got the really good uh, what i call traditional french fry so okay well first off it's america nobody cares um Skin is good, though. In the South, we love the <laughs> potato skin so much, we actually make that its own dish as an appetizer. 
I would have that. What? Salt, pepper, a little bit of garlic, pan fry. Okay, that's sick. That yeah. sounds good. Yeah, it, sounds it's good, actually yeah. really fucking amazing. Throw that in the air fryer. That's the only time it's okay to take the skin off of a potato. That's the only time. Like, you make mashed potatoes, leave the skin. French fries, leave the skin. Potato wedges, you better leave the skin. I mean, McDonald's fries actually taste good, but the problem is that they're too thin. They're smacking, yeah. If they were, like, maybe five times as thick, then I think they would be more popular with other things. They're good, but it's also McDonald's fries. Like, anything from McDonald's is good because of all the fucking shit they put in it. Yeah. I prefer... Yeah, it's like 40% potato. (laughs) Exactly. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not a big fan of McDonald's, and I rarely eat there. But you gotta admit, their food's addicting for a reason. It's not because it's natural. What's up? Greg, you ever had A&W fries? Uh, A long time ago. A&W fries are a controversial one. Natural, like, if you get a potato... Like if if you go to a restaurant, right, or a fucking fast food joint, wherever, and you see them throwing potatoes they just washed in the sink into a cutter, slicing them and then like actually cooking them properly, that is the best in my opinion, as long as they season them right. Well, how do you season your fries? Salt, pepper, a little bit of garlic, uh, chili powder. Chili powder, yeah. Like, it depends on what you want as seasoned. Like, do you want some basic traditional, or do you want something a little more pizzazz? I like pizzazz. Uh, yeah. Vinegar is always good topping for fries. Um, Ooh, yes. Uh, butter chicken sauce is a fantastic topping if you've got, like, you can get in a jar, right? And you just dip the fries into the jar. Oh. You said it's what? Uh, butter chicken sauce. Butter chicken sauce. Really? I have never heard about that. I'm gonna um, try it. Yeah, yeah. Just like a butter chicken sauce or maybe tandoori sauce. Do you oh, think this? I, you know what? Let me, let me check eBay real quick, or not eBay, fucking Amazon. <laughs> 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 the, the eBay topic got on me. Butter chicken sauce. You're getting Greg, eBay you special sauce. You can't take food advice. You can't take food advice from Dennis because he oh, likes sauerkraut. Sauerkraut's good. Sauerkraut's what the fuck good. are you talking about? This is bro, you I get have. some. Bro, you get some sourdough bread. You get some like chipotle mayo, slap on that bitch. You get some jalapenos, some sauerkraut, some pulled pork, put on there, right? Some of that pulled pork juice. Yo, how does and the then, and, then, like and then and then <laughs> you get potatoes with a potato skin and make fries out of them. Boom, perfect meal, perfect summer meal, summer yeah. evening out Wait, in the with the family at the I, pool. Yeah, that's what but I don't like sour, my. Bro. Why so sour? <laughs> Why so I sour, you like... crowd? <laughs> I don't like my French fries with the skin on them. I prefer them circumcised. That's <laughs> what you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> Not the only thing you took out of your mouth. I about to say, he took the words out, but he's about to put something in your mouth. Hopefully potato skin, baby. Hey, I hope so, bro. Dude. Uh, oh, fuck me. I ate too many M&Ms. I had like seven. Oh, my God. Really? For yeah. Deadass. Jack, you uh, stole his M and M's. Walk to California right now. Let's go. <laughs> if either one of y'all ever come to Cali before or October, let me know. I mean, I know it'll never happen, but it'd be nice to meet you guys. I want to go and see the Juice Chair in person. Oh, hey, I'll be moving. I'll be moving yeah. closer. So, uh, Kansas. 
Bring the juice chair. Kansas. Bro, I'm bringing the... Well, I won't have the juice chair. I'll have the juice rack. Yeah, <laughs> oh, the stuff. juice rack. <laughs> stains on it. It's um, juice-related. They are relatives. Yes. And hell, the juice so, rack carries special uh, dioramas, so... It would have been so much clothes. fun to go over that chair with the UV light, though. Oh, yeah, I, I kind of thought about Dude. it. I'm not going to like. I actually thought about it, but I like, no, I'm not going to spend the money. It you. Hey, you why is this white? On there. <laughs> <laughs> it's so white. It changes color. <laughs> <laughs> hey, isn't the chair supposed to be purple? Yeah, if it's uh, <laughs> not contaminated. Oh, fuck, it's white. <laughs> to find contaminated, please. Mm. Hey, Callum. Yo, did Callum, we lose Callum? Callum? Oh, oh no. Hey, what's what's your take? We haven't heard a peep from you. Mmm. Skin on. Add a boy. There we go. What? Greg, what? Greg, do you have Swiss chalet down there? Okay, say that slowly. Greg, do you have Swiss Chalet? No. Oh Greg, do you have the Swiss Chalet restaurant down there? It's kind of like I've never place. heard of that. Jack. You oh, you're missing out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jack, you know the Swiss Chalet fries? Yeah, of course. Mm, mm, mm. They got chili powder on them. Sauce. Yes, sir. The special sauce. Oh, here's a... Um, mm. Here's something. Chicken uh, skin on or off? Uh, oh, it depends. It depends. Oh, definitely on... Sometimes you can get, uh, like, making uh, chicken, take the skin off, and make that separately, kind of like you do potato skins. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, generally, yeah, skin on. Yeah. Should I separately eat the salmon, and then eat the salmon with the skin on? Yeah. yeah. That stuff is great. Yeah. It's good for you, too. It is. Healthy. That's a little Salmon is great. Oh, what about pig skin? Like pork rinds. Mm-mm. I've never had them. Yeah, they're good. Oh, oh, good. It's so good. Oh, hey, uh, I mean, American cuisine, yes. <laughs> I'm gonna send you a picture, Dennis. You mean this stuff will like clog your arteries? American cuisine, yeah. Yeah, ninety percent of it's goddamn grease. Oh, that's grease! It literally isn't that in like Europe? If it <laughs> if it melts in your mouth. What the hell is this, Ezra? <laughs> yeah. There was you your pork him. skin. Do you send him pork rinds? Americans are savage. Yeah. What the hell? Hell yeah, dude. Dude, pork rinds are really good. Like, you can get them yeah, at any like convenience a, store. Looks like a really fluffy maggot. I was about to say, yeah. <laughs> they are like, they kind of melt in your mouth almost. They it's do. Like real maggots. Well, I can only yeah, imagine. The fat melts in your mouth. It's so good. Jack, you ever had pig's feet? Pig's feet? No. It sounds bad. It's fantastic. You add pig's feet to sauerkraut. There's a deli here in Oshawa, Anne's Deli. Shout out to Anne's. Um, mm -hmm. If you ever in Oshawa, go there. It's in like downtown Oshawa. Go get that. Get the pig's feet and the sauerkraut. Get the number two special with the pierogies as well. And uh, Note to self, Dennis likes feet. Yes. And toes. <laughs> oh, he is a I like when the pigs show me their dogs. <laughs> the the pig dogs. This fine hunter. <laughs> woof woof. <wink. laughs> That's why you're called furry two three. 
Oh, shut the fuck yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> write that down, write that down. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we've all decided. Skin on. No, we haven't. Unless it's a I penis. disagree. That's well, you also think about. you should have a fourth Reich, so. <laughs> How does the crowd not when like crowd? When did I say that? You didn't. I'm just putting words in your mouth, it. but you did. Oh, okay. I mean, I started Ezra's Reich, but that's not the same as the fourth Reich. Nope. Yeah, it is, because there wasn't yes, a fourth Reich. It's the... <laughs> oh, Goddamn crowd. Fuck. Be sour all you want. I don't care. I shall be extremely sour now. Thank you very much. I shall be extremely sour. No, you'll be dead in a ditch. I shall be extremely sour with some maximum efficiency. <laughs> okay, you're you fucking find me in a, You're gonna find me dead in a ditch because the Israelis hunted me down. Calm. It's a good thing we're so uh, unknown on YouTube right now because, like, if any of if we were like, <laughs> if we had a <laughs> Because the more episodes we do, the less likely you're going to be able to say that. That's true. Really. I, I, will, I, will, I, will, I do actually have to remind you guys just what platform these are going up on and how strict they are on shit you say, eh? Like, just point that out. I'm sorry, I'll try to Wait, control myself at a later date. That's where nice. Patreon comes in. Just saying. Somehow get a soundboard like where you can just like retroactively bleep things out and like where the ball is your problem. <clears throat> I, can have I mean, can't you do that in post? We're not going to add more to poor Callum's plate. Yeah, honestly, exactly. this dude doesn't oh, like. That's true. That's true. He's got a plate full of skinless fries. Mmm, skinless fries. Ugh. That's like looking at a dick. I mean, like, oh my god, it's uncircumcised or I'm circumcised. Qualify with the whole like sexual talk thing. <laughs> Yeah. It's our staple. It's the podcast trademark. Yeah, he he's just he doesn't even want to acknowledge that. I, I understand that. <laughs> I understand that attitude. Thank you, Cal. I'm very cool. <laughs> well, Whips. shall we talk about what we've been working on? Yes, finally, let's do it. That is sick. Oh, look at that. Why? Thank you. I have my, my freak out really. Yes, he did. This is my 135th scale Academy Israeli M50 M51 Dillette. So this is about as late of a variant of an M51 you'll get before they were retired. Um, so the time frame would be somewhere around mid late 1970s. Hmm. Yeah, I spent about six months scratch building and adding details. Uh, the stowage boxes on the side were scratch built out of copper sheeting. Those look so good. Thank you. I sculpted that tarp bundle hanging on the two road wheels. You know, ton of other stuff. The scissor mount for the 30 cal. Well, all the mounts actually, but yeah. A lot of fun. Wow. Looks great, man. Honestly, dude, this Thank is you. fucking incredible. Thank you. Tomorrow, uh, I'm going to start the chipping. And actually, while we've been recording, I've been working on the figure for it. 
Are you doing just one figure so, or are you doing multiple? Just one. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, he's giving me the commander's hatch, you know. He's not my dumbass and puts too many figures on shit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I painted it with lacquers. Oh, And then hand painted all the markings. How was that uh, lacquer process? It was awesome. They laid down so smoothly. Nice. Yeah. So how are you going to chip them then? Like, are you just going to use kind of like water with a little bit of lacquer thinner mixed in? Oh, no, I'm going to use a sponge. Oh, okay. That, well, sponge that's good. and hand paint. control that way. Definitely. And there won't be much chipping anyway, because... Um, what I'm guessing is there's very minor changes between M51 Gimel and an M51 Dillette. So I'm guessing they just added all of the modifications to convert it into it. Then it got a new coat of paint, so it wouldn't be that weathered. Right. Fantastic, man. I think it's looking yeah. good for the update. Thank you. All right, so here is my one and only slide today, uh, basically showcasing the figures I'm working on. This past week hasn't been too productive model-wise. Uh, most of the time was spent reworking my former Sicily diorama into a Normandy campaign dial. Uh, the whole time we've been on the podcast, I've been working on uh, painting the figures, including repainting the belt on the top right hand figure uh, and then getting like the khaki and dark green coloring for pants and whatnot on the rest but basically uh, I switched my Sicily diorama over to the Normandy campaign where the 4th infantry division and the 82nd reconnaissance battalion of the 2nd armor division uh, cut west and then north to uh, take on the uh, Cherbourg attack kind of that whole campaign there uh, yeah, so yeah, the diorama is going to be based somewhere in that area before Cherbourg, and then, yeah, just some figure painting stuff. Lots of work to do, but yeah. Looking good. Yeah, that's amazing, man. I really like your, you're getting better with the faces, too. Oh, yeah, it looks great. I love that Brad Pitt Fury haircut that one guy has. <laughs> oh yeah i kind of thought about saving that for when i get another easy eight to do the fury tank but I, I, there's uh the fury tank crew resin set on aliexpress for like 12 bucks i was like fuck it i'll just i'll just use it even the eyebrows that's actually something i never thought to add before yeah i'm actually going to redo the eyebrows on the guy on the right hand side with the fury haircut because they're kind of uneven but yeah Hey, I appreciate I'll it. Practice. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I also have not been too productive this week. Um, I'm working on Aoshima's one to one forty four scale uh, US two search and rescue flying boat. Um, it's not great. The canopy broke in half as I was placing it in. Oh, oh god! Um, oh no! Oh. Now, now, fortunately, being so small, I think I can kind of salvage it, like, you know, just a little bit of painting and all that. It'll, it'll look all right, you know? Um, 
But yeah, nice little unique subject. And uh, I'm enjoying getting back in the aircraft. The next one will probably be an A6M20 from Tamiya. That's one you got for your it's... birthday, right? I did, yeah. Homeboy at work hooked me up with a zero. Very so... cool. So that this kit is 144th scale? Yeah, so I mean, it's not big. You can see the two, uh, you can see actually in my hand, like, even though the aircraft, like, in 72, this thing would be enormous, but I think it's pretty manageable in this size. Like, mm -hmm. you'll, you'll get a fair amount of detail. The detail is definitely... Well, you know what? Yeah, definitely. What you could do is, uh, with the crack canopy, do what most airliner modelers do and paint the canopy black. You know, I could do that. I could actually do that. Now, you, thanks for saying that. That's right. I could do that. Yeah, no problem. That maybe always like maybe airbrush it with smoke, like you know, like kind of clear black. Oh yeah. But yeah, that was what I was working on. I didn't have a whip slide because, well, got home late. Um, I'm not gonna say too much uh, because I'll, it deserves a. Uh, it's on episode on its own. Yeah, a full yeah. episode rather than just a little whip segment. But I have been working on a comet as well. Little uh, one one hundred scale. Dennis hooked me up, uh, and we might do an episode on that in the future as well, Ezra. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, let's keep yeah. Uh, the other thing hush hush, and we'll do an entire like you can recount the whole story to us. Oh yeah, I'll do full story time. We'll do um. All the uh, specs and everything. I'm tired. I don't want to go over all that right now. It's an epic story that it deserves to be turned into a movie. Oh, yes. We'll have Christopher Plummer playing Jack for some reason. The Canada Day movie? I don't know. The Miracle of Canada Day. The Miracle at Sault Ste. Marie. Nothing, no miracles happen at Sault Ste. Marie. What do you mean? <laughs> and I have no works in progress because I've barely done anything. I've actually... Well, that's a lie. I've started on the Tamiya Jagdpanther that I bought real cheap. And yeah, the guys on the podcast know how much fun I'm having with that one. Um, <laughs> hashtag 5mm gaps. <clears throat> on front and back and Ugh. all i've managed all i've mainly done is just increased my stash i found online the other day a, a 48th scale Lindbergh kit of the f86a saber and i've never done a never built a 48 kit before so it was only going to be 14 dollars to buy it oh nice so i bought it straight away like not even hesitating and looking at it um the boxing is from somewhere between 1991 to 2007 can anyone want to guess just when the tooling was oh god uh hint the saber first flew in 1947 the tooling's not far off 
Oh god, I was gonna guess like forty nine. But Greg got it. Uh, nineteen. The tooling is for this kit is nineteen forty nine. But dear god. Oh. Jeez. I mean, I maintain though it won't be the plastic, but the tooling's from nineteen forty nine. I maintain the fact, the simple fact that they haven't changed it at all, upgraded or anything, would suggest to you that it's actually a fairly decent kit. No. Um. But that's me. I enjoy the older kits and all of that. Uh, although Lynn is Lindbergh known as a fairly decent uh, model? No. Kit? No. 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 The Lindbergh line T fifty five is like the most horrendous. <laughs> Tank ever, and yeah, the rest well, of their shit's not far off. That actually segues um, pretty well into our next discussion topic, um, and that is the best and worst kit manufacturer that we have opinions on. And we'll like to tell you everyone that these are our own opinions, and if you don't like them, well, tough. Fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and have a have a fun doing it. Like, don't you know, make an event out of it too. Like, you know, <laughs> stream it or Lights something. Candles. Enjoy yourself. Yeah, join the podcast or join the uh, the Discord, and then let us know when you're going to do it. Hop on VC, and we'll all watch you. Send some uh, references. <laughs> but yeah, so who wants to uh, kick off on this discussion real quick? I I think Dennis wants to talk about Tamiya. I'm going to come out of left field here. The best manufacturer is Bandai. What? Okay. What? We're talking about the best manufacturer, right? We're talking about the quality of the kit. Okay. Now, don't oh, I know where you're going with this. Because this is not to do with personal experience. Uh, no, 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 no. Just. Uh, <laughs> my favorite manufacturer is Tamiya, but the best kit manufacturer. I'll give you a little backstory. So, homeboy at work, he builds all the anime kits, right? I only build two. I'm only building two ever. Don't. Uh, it was just fun weathering, okay? So uh, I don't believe it. So, one of these kits, right? Well, actually, I think most of them now, they, they're action figures, right? Like, they, you can pose them. And they've got like these articulatable uh, skeletons, right? The entire skeleton, which you then put like all the pieces on that moves, everything is one piece on the rudder. So in the molding, they mold this thing that is somehow poseable, like no polycaps, just by pressure fit. It's already all done there. And you can tell it's like no one actually went in and kind of snapped everything together. It's molded like that. Bandai molds with multiple colors on each sprue. Um, everything is just click fit, like quite literally, and that is how advanced their molding is. So while I don't think they're my favorite by any stretch of the imagination, the best, like in terms of just like the quality of the molding, I, I think Bandai takes the cake, and I'd like to see them do more aircraft and model and like armor kits. They do a lot of Star Wars stuff too. They do do a lot of Star Wars stuff. Yep. Yeah, I've, I've seen those Star Wars do, uh, kits before. I I really want to try one of their Star Wars kits just to see the hype. Like, I've got their uh, ATST in the in the stash. Honestly, just try doing one of those like Gundam kits. Not because you don't have to like. I never watched the anime or anything. I just built it because it's kind of cool. Do it just to find out what they're doing with modern injection molding techniques. Yeah, I have seen um, Adam Savage build one of those kits and you went through it thoroughly and yeah just the fact that it's a that's um you know like an elbow moves and it's still on the sprue is pretty um impressive 
Well, honestly, All right, now I let's gotta go say, to... good. Oh, I was gonna, I was gonna say who I think they are the best and worst. But yeah, sure. Um, I don't know. In my opinion, I think the best is probably, I'd say, Ryfield. Um, mainly because of, okay, so the kits aren't over-engineered like mini art, but they have very good detail. They come with photo etch, I mean, not photo etch, 3D printed parts. I mean, hey, really? you know what I mean? Yeah. Really? Huh. That must be a new thing. That's awesome. Yeah. So, like, you literally don't have to get any um, aftermarket for this. Convenient. Yeah. Uh, I haven't built any of their kits, but Dennis could probably have something to say about iHeartKit. Mm, oh, yeah. No. What about, uh, what about TACOM and, like, the Dragon Smart Kits? Tacom is okay. Tacom is Tacom's good. nice. They're just they're they're really good. They're just uh, they really simplify everything, uh, and while still keeping a lot of detail. Right. Yeah, I like them. I can't. Um, I can't say the Tacom kits I've built have been simplified. Um, you don't think? Because uh, I, I built the SMK and ah uh, right the SMK like the. The turret, the main seventy-five mil howitzer turret on it, um, is definitely not simplified, but well engineered. Right, right. Um, Maybe that's what I should have said instead. Yeah, like I will say, um, I'd say Tacom is sitting at my favorite at the moment, um, just because their their kits are good and they do, they're very um, experimental with their subjects. You know, they're, they're yeah. not they're not afraid. Um, you know, like you've got they've just released the ectoplane. Is that what it's called? The you know the Russian yeah, ground, ground effects plane, yeah. giant thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they did the seventy second scale of the flat towers in the uh, Berlin Zoo. Like that's oh, that's going to be huge. Yeah, like that's yeah. so out of left field. It's um, you know, um, they do the, Even the turtle that I'm building. Yep. They, so they're really gone variety, um, and their kits are very well in, very well engineered. And I think my I'd say the fate my favorite part is their instruction booklet. Like they put a lot of thought, design, and effort into the instructions. Um, yeah, for oh, tackle. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do. Excuse me. Cause you're tight. <laughs> okay, so what, what's yeah? I think I change. I change yep. over to Tacom. Yeah. Because yeah, Tacom's good. That My Panzer Jaeger 1 in 1 16th scale. I knew, the Wasn't minute I saw tacom? you post that, I knew you were going to be um, screaming for that. Yes. It has a stuck 40. What is there not to love? <laughs> I'd say the only oh, downside to Tacom is. On toss. Oh, that's true. I'd say the only downside to Tacom is they are just a bit pricey. But yeah, it's pro- 
It's a bit pricey, but it's probably worth what you're paying at the same time. Okay, so I want to ask everyone, um, what's the worst kit you've had to deal with? Like, what? Like, what's the what's the brand that you just you weren't even going near? Atlantis or fucking mono, uh, monogram? No. Yes, go build their goddamn patent. Go to Michael's, pick up their stupid patent, and go build that. Why? What's you wrong with it? I will. I almost did. I I am so glad I didn't because I probably wouldn't be sitting here if I did. Why? What, what's I wrong with it? Build it. The fit is so bad. How so? Boo hoo! The fit's so bad. I'm Greg. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry. I'm simplified. Okay. It's <laughs> one way to call it. There's something called putty. <laughs> yeah, fuck your putty. I shouldn't have to fill like a quarter inch gap. Okay. <laughs> well, especially I mean, if they're selling pounds. it at Michaels, that's like uh, marketed to people that don't have putty at home. You mix some baking soda with PVA glue. No, Ezra, no, I shouldn't have to. <laughs> I mean, okay, that's fair. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna build it. We should do I'm a monogram group wrong. build. Uh, y'all can go right on and fuck yourself with that group build. I'm not doing it. I'm not wasting <laughs> my money on their fucking shitty-ass brand. <laughs> uh, Dennis, what's your opinion? What's the worst you've come across or know of? If we're talking about the worst kit, it would actually have to be the Tamiya 1 to 48 skill. <gasps> <gasps> Sorry, hey, yo, someone write that down. Sorry. What was it? I couldn't hear it over um, Greg just popping his lungs. As <laughs> <laughs> um, we're having a mini orgasm, the thought that I don't like Tamiya. No, no, it's so like they oh, made this yeah. stuff. It's from like the 70s. Like it was one of the first ones they made. One to four years scale F2A Brewster Buffalo fit mm, wasn't bad. It was kind of a monogram level fit. Detail was not there at all. Um, and raised panel lines. Um, yeah, that was the worst kit I've built. I'd say the worst company I've had to deal with is probably Ravel. Not actually because oh, their kits were bad, but because their decals were so like. I mean, I make better decals. Than Ravel does with their proper industrial It's so, like that's bad. Ooh. You know? Contact Dennis. Damn no, it's boy. True, though. No, I, I would agree. It's it's true. Like me with my one hundred dollar HP printer, somehow managed to make better decals than Ravel. So one to seventy two Tiger Meat F sixteen. And uh, I mean, yours are thin though, so. Yeah, but there's just wow. like they're not even opaque. And then again, neither of mine, but yeah, you know, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Wait, Dennis, question. Word. Say uh say I wanted to print out some one to one scale decals, would that be doable? You want stickers or water slide? I don't know. Well, one-to-one scale, right? I'm not really sure how... This. What do you want? Like, what marking do you want? Just, like, numbers. I mean, that would actually probably be, like, template and then 
spray paint. I was about to say, I will literally use my uh, Cricut machine to cut it for you. Oh, you got a Cricut? Okay, sweet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll, okay. we'll, we'll keep in contact. We'll have a group airbrushing session. Um, yeah, don't worry about it. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, well, we've got a uh, channel just for this type of stuff. What the fuck is that noise? Wasn't me. He's, he's plucking at a guitar with their toes. <laughs> Why is it their toes? Why couldn't There's it be always any other toes, part of their body? Ezra. There is always oh, toes. Because we have a toe and dog fetish here, okay? Get with the program or fucking leave. Wait, you're the dogs? one with the dog fetish. For no, 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 no. I don't have the fetish. Y'all just like the dogs, okay? So I let them out every once in a while. It's like a treat. Well, um, well, ooh, where's Kit? I mean, I've built, I've built a few bad ones, but that's just because I kind of invite it, just with the subjects I build. Like, I do build a lot of uh, cheap old, old kits that aren't that good for some reason. So you're to asking me. for it. I kind of asked for it, yeah. Um, I don't know. I just find there's a bit of charm with building a kit from 1950-something. Don't know why. Um, but yeah, I'd say... Actually, no. The worst kit I made, and this I kind of regret it, but kind of not. It was a Tasman Models um, CAC... CA-13 Boomerang, which is an Australian-designed um, fighter plane for World War II. And I didn't realize it was a full resin kit with a vacuum-form oh canopy. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, so they were, they were, I had to hollow out the fuselage myself, basically, to get things oh, to fit. Oh, God. Um. Yeah, <clears throat> and I mean, I didn't make Wait. things easier for myself by super gluing the fuselage together, only to realize I'd forgotten to put the um, engine in. <laughs> oh, so, God. so God. somehow had to feed that through the cockpit around, use, going through the uh, landing gear to try and poke it through. It was um, I kind of brought it on myself on that one by a long shot. And a little bit of a nightmare. Yeah, so it didn't really fit that well. There was metal parts that weren't molded that well, and the canopies are just terrible. Oh, and the well, decals. How much did you pay for it? Uh, ten bucks. Oh, okay. So it's not they're not bad, but That's like the the loss. decals, I've used a lot of setting solution and a lot of varnish, and um, like Dennis. These, the decal sheet, you know how normal decals, you know, the uh, film and stuff like that is contained within the uh, decal itself? They pulled the loader decals. The whole sheet is the film. Yes. <laughs> I yeah. Mean, I can't criticize them. Mine are the exact same. It's um, part of the game, Yeah, but they, these ones, even with varnish and a lot of solution all that, the outline, the outline of the film still show up. Oh. Those sound to me like was this a big manufacturer like really like a cottage operation? Uh, Tasman Models is a small 
small company in New Zealand. Homeboy probably just printed them on his printer like me, but he probably just ended up using too much furnish because, like, I use as little as possible. Um, yeah, that's probably it. Just yeah. Like, when one pass too many with the spray can, I'd do it. Yeah, so that that kit was definitely... It's not the best kit, but I, may, I definitely managed to get something out of it. Funnily enough, though, if you type into Google Images... CACCA13 boomerang. The photo that I posted on Reddit of it pops up. Like I, that was when I used to post to Reddit. I don't anymore. But that that one, the photo of that one, got the second highest number of likes I've ever got. It was like five five hundred plus likes. Oh, yeah, nice and one. I'm suddenly going. This is like the one of the worst models I've ever built. Uh, yeah, and if you go on Google Images um, and that. That picture come comes up if you type if you search for the boomerang. Yeah. So win some, lose some, I guess. Wait, so where do I look up? Um C A C space C A thirteen boomerang. Alright. Alright. Interesting. Yeah, very. But yeah, so that's uh, that's my experience. But yeah, so we should probably uh, look at wrapping up the episode. You reckon? Yeah, I'd say so. I think this is going to be the longest one yet. We're clocking in at two hours and twenty six minutes. Dear I'm God. so tired. Oh. <laughs> I'm gonna pass out. <laughs> the Canadians in the <gasps> podcast. Oh, I think I found it. Today. Should I got four hours of sleep last night. I've I been. Have to, I have to go to work in the morning, man. I gotta go to the <laughs> trap house. One of my earbuds just died on me. Oh yeah, it's so unfortunate. I get to go and like talk about tanks with people. Oh god, the horror! I want your job, Dennis. <laughs> Honestly, you want to trade your job for my Michael's job? I trade offer. <laughs> well, if you have listened to this point thank you so much uh, you have been listening to the Micro Machines podcast and we will see you next week alrighty bye everyone yeah bye. See, ya. see ya see ya